in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right. Maybe. Welcome everybody. It is all right, all right, all right, all right. It is third. I do hear that paling, by the way. I, you hear that too? Okay, yes. Yeah, so I thought it was like like Edgar Allan Poe. I was reading the heart of the. I kind of do. It is Thursday, December 29th. Welcome into the Mike Rutherford Show. We are live from Oxmoor Ford here off Shelbyville Road in the heart of St. Matthews. Uh, Christmas may be over. The holidays, folks, are not over. They've still got holiday deals on all their vehicles out here. It's the best time of the year to shop at Oxmoor Ford. If you want a new Edge, uh, if you want a new whatever they've got going on in the lot. You can get up to 20% off right now if you stop by Oxmoor Ford and talk to one of the dealers here. Uh, again, Oxmoor Ford off Shelbyville Road here in the heart of St. Matthews. We're here from 3 to 6 today. I know the... I'm a little bit nervous because the last two times we've been out here, this has been... I don't know if total disaster is too strong, but it has not gone well. The last couple times we've done remote shows, we've been in and out. We've had to do, I did two hours on a cell phone by myself the last time we were out here. Trevor was going back to Jeffersonville. I had to speak to him through the radio because I was using his cell phone to do the show. So we're hopeful that things are going okay outside of this. I think the, the, the pounding went away there. Yeah, I think I figured that one out. Okay, good. Because I was concerned it was like like you. It was like, like I've had heart problems recently. I'm like, is this, this, this is not, it was, it's it was, a new one. It was literally, I don't know if people else could hear, it was literally driving me insane. It was, I was not feeling good. I was, it was not a good way to start the show. I take my headset off just listening to you sitting next to me. <laughs> so we're here from 3 to 6 today, uh, again on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it better as the Big X, and this is a, a University of Louisville College of Business remote studio today out here at Oxmoor Ford. We want to hear from you between now and six. Text us on the Thornton's text line. Any thoughts, any questions, any comments, any concerns, any topic ideas at 502-414-1450. And a reminder, Thornton's is still offering a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink to all new members of their refreshing rewards program. And even if you weren't getting free food and free drinks, it's just a good thing to do because it's going to save you money every time you need to fuel up or every time you need to stop inside and grab a goodie from one of the 75,623 area Thornton's locations. Trev, plenty to get to today. It's, it's look, it's, it's rivalry, Eve, Eve. I know we've tried to kind of, I mean, it's it's a different rivalry week. We said that the last two shows. We've I'm, got, I'm getting a little pumped up. Are you really? I'm getting a little excited, yeah. I think this is the first I, I time think, I've heard this I this think, week from anybody. I think last night did help a little bit. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get to what happened but, last night. But primarily, I just, I mean, I don't know, call it... Ignorance, college drugs, college of stupidity, maybe all three combined to make a 
a, a potion that just isn't good for anybody in sports, but whatever it is. I'm getting a little excited for Saturday. I enjoy that the first text that I see is, uh, you sound absolutely horrible, audio is a bit rough, Trevor and Mike sound like they're at a 1986 Radio Shack walkie-talkie, uh, so that's good. That's, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're off and running once again here. against Radio Shack. Nothing. Well, they don't exist anymore, so you can say whatever you want to about them now. <laughs> Circuit City. So hope, yeah, maybe that'll improve. We'll, we'll try to get it figured out here. I don't know, I don't know why it's so bad you out You want there. that the skipping? I mean, come on, people. Pick your poison. How about just normal audio? Can we, is that an option? I don't think normal works for the show in any way. Apparently not. Whether we're in studio or not. Apparently not. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the basketball game. And there is new, I guess, evidence, if you want to call it that, based on the way Kentucky played last night, which, spoiler alert, was not great. Um, we've got that to get to. We've got a couple other football notes to get to. Jeff Brom has a new vote of confidence as far as what he's doing in the transfer portal. Uh, we can talk. I mean, the big news of yesterday broke, of course, like literally two minutes after we got off the air, we had mentioned Jack Plummer, the California quarterback, and people asking, hey, this guy was supposed to be a done deal for U of L. It hasn't happened. He's been in the transfer portal for a week. What's going on there? And all I could say yesterday was my assumption, I haven't been told anything otherwise, is that he's still planning on being here and that U of L is still planning on taking him. But the fact that he has uh, you know, not signed at this point or not committed at this point certainly says something. I don't know if U of L is still looking around. And then, of course, right when we get off the air yesterday, 6.05. Jack Plummer makes it official. He's going to be a uh, Louisville quarterback next season. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then uh, I thought, you know, first, I don't even know if you've seen this. Once again, like you say, whenever I bring that up, there's like a 90% hit rate on the no. Do you think it's a 90? You think it's, I think it be like Well, you may have seen this, though, because usually you're checking stuff for the first time, like right before the show. Yeah. But Pele has, has passed away. Oh, no, I did not see that. Okay, soccer legend, uh, 82 Four. years old. He's been battling colon cancer, I think, for the last year or so. And uh, it was officially announced today that he has passed away. And look, you and I were kind of uh, of the same in the same boat growing up, where like we kind of we weren't soccer guys, and we kind of no. like I didn't know anything about soccer. I knew who Pele was. Like, everybody knew who Pele was. Pe- Pele, would you put Pele as to soccer, or like Gretzky as to hockey, or I guess would you? I say, was going to say, say Jordan and basketball, but maybe some people would say LeBron. I guess either you go A. When we were kids, for '90s kids, I feel like it was. Jordan, Gretzky, and Pele. Like, those were the three. Go and Bo Jackson. You got that great cartoon where they were superheroes. Right. But Bo, <laughs> Bo Jackson was, you know, he, I'm not, he was kind of the odd man. Of course, those, yeah, it was yeah, on Saturday mornings. Yeah, it was awesome. But, like, those were the three, like, the gods of their respective yeah, schools, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And Pele, I mean, again, like, I couldn't tell you, like, what his accomplishments were. I think I knew he was from Brazil, but that was about it. But I knew who Pele was. Like, my brother taught me about that. I had a minimum soccer knowledge. But even if you knew nothing about soccer, even if you've never kicked a ball, never played YMCA or whatever, you knew who Pele oh, was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, 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 exactly. You could know nothing about soccer, not a rule, not even a, what a soccer ball looks like. But you knew the name Pele. You, the bicycle kick automatically comes to my mind when I think Pele, I guess. I don't know, I'm assuming he was famous for it. I can't remember, but I don't know why I just think that. And I know, uh, I guess he, he also played in the, uh, the USA in like, the end of his career, did he not? Didn't he come I think over yeah, and play that's, that's right. I always think of the, the scene in, uh, in, in Ted Lasso when Roy Kinn's like, very retired. He's like, oh, I could go to USA and dominate right now. And <laughs> I think like, Pele probably, that's how Pele probably was. In that's the, how all of them are. Yeah, I mean, even like, modern day now, like Beckham comes <laughs> to, you know, to America. Like we've had, uh, who's the, 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 the French star who came a few years ago? I like, see Pele doing it. Like, yeah, I think it was around the mid-80s, like 86, 87, when he came over here and played in whatever league the league was called at the time. The United Soccer League, I think, USL. But, uh, but yeah, I, this, that is sad. I mean, he's... I mean, even in, is Pele still? I mean, because I know, like, like I said, Jordan was the basketball. Like now, some people may consider it being 
you know, LeBron. Uh, I say Gretzky to hockey. I think Gretzky's still hockey, even to this, even to this generation. Would that be correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's what's what's the guy who just passed uh, uh, Gordy Howe. Uh, the guy plays for the Washington. Ovechkin. Yeah, he just did. I mean, maybe him possibly, but I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. it's Gretzky and nobody else. Like, the, yeah. the wildest stat in sports to me is, is always going still to be soccer? If, Gretzky, if Gretzky had never had a, a goal, he'd still be the all-time leading points leader in NHL history. Like, isn't that He's insane? Assists and stuff like that, yeah. He's more assists than anybody has points. Unreal. That is, yeah. I know, I know what's-his-name just passed at 803 because I heard the highlight. I was listening so many times while I was listening the other night on radio. But, uh, I mean, he's... Is Pele still the soccer guy? I mean, or is it Beckham now? I mean, like you, you talk it's to someone. It's not Beckham. It's, it's if it's anybody, it's Messi. Messi, okay. So, so if you go to somebody under twenty-five, and you say first soccer player, name it. Like you, and me would probably say Pele, right? Yes. Like, still, but like I, I would think somebody like we need. This is where we need Patrick here for our, for our insight on our youth. I can see them not saying Pele, unfortunately. I, I think it's. I mean, nowadays, because the, the recent argument has been Messi versus Ronaldo, but I think it's still... Ronaldo's another good one, yeah. I think it's still... It's kind of like the... Like, Messi, Ronaldo, or, like, the LeBron, whereas we're, like... For our age group, it's still the, the Pele. I think, I think I think LeBron is to Jordan as Messi is to Pele. Yeah. I think that's a safe way to put it. Uh, Texas is Landon Donovan, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim Howard. <laughs> it's Tim Howard over Pele. But Tim Howard was the goalie, right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> the no, no, Secretary no. of Defense. Who's the one uh, that, that, that ended up being, was the uh, the goalie for the 94 team, they ended up being a kicker for the Jets, and now does uh, commentary? Trevor, I've got no idea. Oh, it's Mioli, Tony Mioli. Okay. You don't remember him being a kicker with the Jets? I remember the name. I had no idea that he wound up kicking for the Jets. Yeah, he just, like, he just was their kickoff guy. They brought yeah, it was it was the Jets in the nineties. They were bad. They needed not that that's changed in the last two decades. Doing whatever they could for attention. <laughs> exactly. That's fine. Uh, we've got uh, so R.I.P. to Pele. That was well, sad news that broke. I guess about an hour ago. Well, it was, we're honoring Pele. We're also trying to avoid talking about the basketball game. So <laughs> we're. I thought you said we should be doing a Kentucky show right now, not a Louisville show. We haven't lost this week. <laughs> it's a fair point. We have not lost this week. Only one team in the state can say that. At least yeah. the, the two biggest teams in the state can say that. So this is why this is why Cal doesn't like playing Christmas week. <laughs> last night, I mean, I did. So I haven't seen. Admittedly, I haven't watched that much of Kentucky so far this season. I haven't either. I didn't get a chance to watch much last night because I was working the Southern Indiana game. I watched a lot of it last night. I wish I, I, I want to, but I didn't get a chance. And I was I was pretty. Admittedly, I was high on this Kentucky team going into the season. I thought, you know. Look, they were good last year. We can laugh all we want at St. Peter's. You still have to be a two-seed to lose a 215 game. Like that, that was a team that was capable. And St. Peter's, you know, to their credit, wound up going on and beating two other good teams after they beat Kentucky. So, like, you can yeah, – it happens and in the NCAA tournament. Two-seeds yeah. lose, three-seeds lose, four-seeds lose. Good teams get beat earlier, earlier than they should. Even a one-seed's lost. And I think that with them bringing back guys for the first time – and they brought back the National Player of the Year. Imagine saying that – at the beginning of the Calipari tenure, if you had a National Player of the Year, it was somebody like Anthony Davis who was clearly going to be gone after that season. They're bringing back Oscar Shibway, they're bringing back Saphir Wheeler, they're bringing back some other guys, and oh, by the way, they're bringing in yet another uh, elite recruiting class. So my assumption well, was... Well, that was probably Tyler Hansborough, wasn't it? It was. We, and they won I think we talked about yeah. this when, when he came back. Um, my assumption was like they're going to be pretty damn good. They may not be the best team in the country, they, they may not win a national title, but they're going to be a great team. They have not been a great team so far this season. And you watch them, uh, again, I watched them last night playing on the road against a Missouri team, which, yes, Louisville fans, 
I also look at Missouri's situation, and it makes you feel worse about where you were. They bring in a new head coach in Dennis Gates. They completely overhaul their roster. They bring in guys from the transfer portal. And guess what? They play hard as hell, and they're pretty good, and they're 12-1. and one. It uh, does make you feel facing, worse about where you were. They were facing NCAA sanctions. Okay, would you like to talk about LSU then, who also played last night and beat Arkansas, who beat us by a million, and also has one loss at this point in the season. Uh, there are a number of things you can point to that will make you feel worse about yourself if you want to do that. Let's end the year in shame. I'm out of excuses. <laughs> they're, they're, you're not alone. The Kentucky team last night, though, they just – there's something off. Like, I, I don't know if it's a disconnect between Calipari and the players. I don't know if it's – I mean, I thought my biggest issue with them the last couple of years has been I think his offense is has become archaic. I, I think that the game has moved on a little bit, and he has not changed with it. But I think the, the biggest issue is that system doesn't work. And we've talked about this firsthand with our – own team this year it doesn't work without not just like elite college guards but nba future nba future pro talent at the guard position the word prolific comes to mind i think they have it with case and wallace they do not have it with severe wheeler who's a fine college guard but that's all he is and i you're seeing that and i mean i know uk fans i'm sure krc has beat this into the ground as well like they see it time and time again but it was notable that the florida a&m coach after they had played UK and, and probably gave them more of a scare than they had any business doing, he says, like, we thought they were better when Wheeler was on the bench. Like, comes out and just says it. And every UK fan was like, well, duh, like, how can this guy see it and Calipari can't see it? But the team, like, they just, they don't, there's nothing terrifying about Kentucky anymore. And that's been the case for a few years now. I think the last team that really sort of kind of put fear, again, I'm saying this as a Louisville fan who watches every UK game hoping that they're going to lose. And the teams that instill fear into me are the ones that are like, I'm like, yeah, there's a very small chance of them losing this game or slipping up. The last time I felt that about a team was the the De'Aaron Fox Malik Monk team in 2017, and, and Louisville beat that team. But that was yeah. that's the only good Calipari team that we've beaten. Team lost North Carolina, the May shot. Exactly. Like, they, but they had they had that killer instinct. They had dudes on that team that just you know they were going to crush it. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is where I think you exactly. made, your main bottom point is. And I understand like that I'm saying this knowing full well that I'm, we're less than 48 hours away from UK probably putting an ass kicking on Louisville. Being but 20 point favorite. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> Lipscomb's done the same thing, so it's not exactly a, a huge accomplishment. But as somebody who wants to see Kentucky, like I don't fear Kentucky just dominating teams these days. And there's just a there's a lack of and the word is overused these days there's a lack of swagger amongst them there's a lack of confidence it seems like there's a lack of just this this full on we're stepping on the court we know exactly what's going to happen we're going to punk you like there was in the first six seven seasons under Calipari you just there's nothing terrifying about them anymore and they looked from start to finish last night like an inferior team against a Missouri team that don't get me wrong is off to an overachieving start but is not like like Missouri's not going to go to the Final Four this year. They're they got their asses absolutely handed to them in the uh, the border war a couple of weeks ago. That was surprised me because they were undefeated going into that game, and I can they got destroyed. And I thought about betting them. I was I was doing bets that weekend. I remember going, they're getting like four points or something. They're undefeated, and I was like, it's a rivalry game, but you know what? I'm gonna stay away from it. And so glad I was because Kansas, yeah, just took them out of the woodshed. And they, now they they did bounce back. They beat a good Illinois team pretty handily. Uh, and again, before this, erratic anyway. They have. Not. I think they're out of the top 25 now. But it, it's not. It's my point is, it's not a Missouri team that has any business basically boat racing UK, leading them by double digits early on and holding on to that lead for the rest of the game. And that's what happened last night. Now, does any of that make me feel more confident about Saturday? I'll say this. 
the both the Ken Palm metric and the ESPN, whatever index they use, the BPI for, for basketball, it took Louisville's chances of winning this game from before last night at, was at 1.5% to now 2.2%. Ooh. So almost a, almost a full percentage rise in the likelihood wow. of Louisville pulling this upset. The spread, by the way, it's down. Ken Palm was projecting a 24-point UK yeah. win. Just 22 now. Ooh. Just 22 now. Would you say there's fear in Lexington? I, I think, would. I think there's some pee rolling down that leg. I, I mean, I would be I mean, terrified. The that, trends are all saying one thing. I take it back now. I just looked at it. It's updated. It's now 23. Still a point less than it was still, yesterday. Still moving on up. Moving in the right direction. And we just call us the Jeffersons. They're coming on up. 79, it was 79.55 yesterday. It's 79.56 today. The UK hard. defense... Shots fired at that UK defense. They can't defend anymore. Now, now let me ask you this, because I had this discussion with, with in, in terms of fantasy football yesterday, because as you know, I was very heartbroken. My quarterback got benched by their own team. Yes. Uh, and, and, I, and I started thinking about that. Is, you know, is, this a, is this a blessing or a curse? Because I, they did something I couldn't do for myself. Like, you know, like you, I can't cut off my own kids, so someone else has to do it for me. Okay. Type thing. You know, I just couldn't do it. So the Raiders had to do it for me. Is UK losing a blessing or a curse for UofL? I being that is it? Are you getting UK on a downward spiral in a way, or are you getting UK now with a loss that's angry and pissed off and about to play a team that they are 22 point favorites? Then I talked about this with uh, with Jeff Greer earlier today on his podcast. Look and at me with being like a Jeff Greer over here. You're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> the the answer is this. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I don't think it. I, this isn't like any. This is not like any other year that we've had leading up to this game. If you're talking about trying to break down what's going to happen, it's not like even the the 97-98 year where Louisville was. We mentioned this yesterday. Was was four and six going into that game. So I don't remember going into that game too much. Yeah, <laughs> they were four and six, but they'd lost to five top 25 teams. They'd yeah. beaten a couple of good teams. UK was still early in this. Like, even then, like you, you thought you were going to get beat, but you knew there was like a uh, a chance, right? This well, year, it was eighteen and done, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this year, I mean, I think that I'm sure the spread was probably like eleven, twelve at, at that point in time. Yeah, maybe. And this year, it's going to be maybe double that. Like, this is just we're we're swimming in uncharted waters, and the thing that is the most painful about that is we're not talking about it. At least as of right now, it seems an all-time great UK team. Like to me. From what we've seen from UK so far, and, and I know we've got three months left of the season, uh, three months left before the NCAA tournament starts, they don't look like they're capable of winning a national title. And that, I guess, could change. But right now, you don't have the same, I, I use the word again, you don't have the same fear from this UK team that you've had from, say, you know, the, the 2012 team, the 2015 team, going back to the 96 team. Like, there's just, they don't have that air about them. And yet you're still sitting here feeling like we've got no chance, which is a testament to just how bad it's been for Louisville so far this season. Last year's UK team when it was healthy, particularly. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, to, to an extent, for sure. I think the... To, to get to the root of your question, like, John Calipari and the... U, I don't think the UK fan base has ever been as upset with Calipari as they are right now. And I've seen other media members say that. I saw, I mean, who was it? There was one, was Larry Glover yesterday who had a tweet before he was finally like, I've been a Cal defender this entire time. I thought it was ridiculous. Some of the criticism he's gotten from the fan base over the years, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I can't defend this guy anymore. And you're seeing like that he's got the rift with with Matt Jones and KSR. Like oh, Matt was going, yeah, it was it was fun reading Matt's Twitter feed. I last mean, you night. but you've got like people who have been 
firmly in the Calipari camp, even in recent years when it, you know, they haven't been dominating the college basketball landscape like they were in from 2010 to 2015, you've got some of those same people now who are like, this guy's lost it, this guy's, you know, the, his best days are behind him, there's a disconnect between him and the fan base. Like, the fans are ready to pounce on him. And the one thing that Calipari has done in, these, in the few seasons he's had where the first month and a half maybe hasn't gone as well as they, the fan base would have liked it to, what he's always done to save the rift between himself and, and BBN is beat down their arch rivals. Like he's all, this, this has been the ace that he's had in his back pocket all these years, was he owns Louisville. And he's when the New Year's rolling around and you're a little bit upset and you're, you're kind of doubting whether or not that the spring's going to go great and they can win a national title, he comes out and he puts a beat down on the cards and he says some crazy stuff in the media and he's got the players throwing the L's down and it's all love again in the Bluegrass State. There is, like, if there was any thought that maybe he would take it a little bit easy on his boy Kenny Payne on Saturday, that went out the window. Like, if he can put the, the, the pedal all the way to the ground on Saturday, he's going to do that. But I think we knew that coming in. Like, and I still even think he is in a very little-to-gain, lot-to-lose situation on Saturday. Because if, oh, yeah. if you beat Louisville by 30, the fans, they're, they're going to rip on us, and they're going to make their jokes and all that stuff. But it's not going to change the bigger picture for them, which is they've been a disappointment so far. But if that game is even relatively close, it just tosses even more gasoline onto that fire. He, in a weird way, like he's got more to lose in this Louisville game than he's had in some of the ones where like they've been number two and we've been number 15, or they've been number one and we were number five. Like he's got more at stake, even if he wins by like 12. Like it, it, it could wind up being his worst loss to Louisville if we somehow keep us in single digits or it's too close in the second half, because that fan base is ready to pounce on him right now at any hint of negative, you know, news. I mean, are you are you are you are you suggesting that a Louisville win could be the the knife in the in the back, the the foot that kicks the stool out from under the the, the dangling Calipari? I've been suggesting it all week, baby. <laughs> that, that's that's the conspiracy theory. I mean, the, the big theory is Kenny Payne. He realized very early on, I can't get DJ Wagner, I can't get Aaron Bradshaw, I can't get these these five star players that the fan base wants me to. People are negatively recruiting against me. The, ends. the only way I can do this and be national title good in year two is through this elaborate plot of being historically bad and getting UK to the point where the fan base is already angry at Calipari. They're waiting for the final straw to break. So we're going to be so bad that you can't even believe it going into the end of January, going yeah. into the end of December. I tell you what, that's, he's accomplished that for sure. <laughs> he's, that's step one. Step two, start playing well. He's pull a perfectionist. Out. He's an X's and O's genius. He's got the perfect system with the perfect roster. He busted all out in Lexington on New Year's Eve, wins that game. Fan base finally becomes too much for Calipari to take. Three weeks from now, you have a Chris Mack situation. He's got to get out. The fans want him out. They buy him out. And guess what happens? All those recruits committed to Lexington, they're coming to Louisville. That's the way to get them. We play out the rest of the season. We're good. And then next year, we're fantastic. We win a national title. I mean, you, you throw in Zampain, come off the bench, and does Tim Henderson on steroids in this game. and you, you This I mean, plot does not involve Zampain. Oh, we, come on. He comes off the bench and hits like four threes in a row. In this theory, we've <laughs> seen the last of Zampain. Zampain playing up to this part has been a part of the, the setup. No, part but, of the ruse. It's gotta be. It's gotta be part of. It's gotta be part of the the, the knife in the back, right? I mean, the, the, the UK trade guy comes with them and his son. I mean, come on. Well, no, that's he's playing him because there's gotta be somebody back. else off this bitch that's gonna do something for us and it's holding back. God help me. Aiden McCool. <laughs> Aiden McCool. Don't tell Patrick that. Fabio Basile. <laughs>
35 minutes on Saturday. He's going to play. It is crazy. Like the, I said going into the season, I didn't think there was like that. You know, everybody wants to talk. When things are going poorly, there's always that that quick fix that the fan base has figured out on the bench. Oh yeah. You know, play Jordan Wara more. Play. You know, get Brock. Uh, uh, Brock Doman in the game, like the back and forth on the bench, and I'm like, you know, like we don't really have that here. You know, we don't have guard. I was wrong about that. Like, there is that guy out there to the fan base. If you check on any Instagram post, any Twitter post from the official, you it's all like play Fabio more. Fabio's got to play Fabio and Ellis together. I'm like, there, there it is. People have are, I mean, they're all about Fabio. In our, in our one, well, I guess I, we did two wins. I almost forget, but in our best win, didn't feel like a win the second one. Yeah, exactly. But in the win against Western, that was Fabio's coming out party, and we have looked he, better when he's been in the game. And he has not played as much. Sense and I, I, I don't understand it a little bit myself. I mean, I'm not it's all him, set up. Set I'm up. Ask him to play 30 minutes. I'm just saying. But when we went on Saturday and then we come out, and we reel off like seven straight ACC wins, and then Cal gets fired at the end of January. That's when you'll know. This was some sort of you know crazy ass twist. It's the murder mystery. We're almost done with class on you, by the way. We're, we're, how far did you get? We got like 35 minutes left. Wow. We all, I thought we were going to finish it last night. We didn't. But we. But it's, it's a Ryan Johnson setup. He's setting it up. Oh, I know. I Act know. two is going to be phenomenal. Like I said, he's, he just married him much too well. I wouldn't, wouldn't, I'd rather Bill Cosby make me a drink than let him touch a Star Wars okay. script. But okay. okay. I'm not going to. But he, he does uh, He does murder mystery decent. Uh, let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll we come back. Break. i got to talk to you about this movie in the break, too. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take some text. Let me throw in text on at 502-414-1450. Second hour, we'll react to the news about Jack Plummer and talk a little bit about what Jack Jeff Plummer. Brown has been able to do in the transfer portal. Keep it locked right here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show live at Oxmoor Ford. We'll be here until 6. Keep it locked right here on 1450 The Big X. Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Again, we are live here at Oxmoor Ford in the heart of St. Matthews. Stop on by and see us off Shelbyville Road. Talk to us about the uh, the UK game. Give Trevor, Trevor Kelsey the middle finger. You Show him your butt. Do whatever you got to do. It's been 30 minutes and you haven't said that once today. I was well, now it's out there. It's, it's out there. And while you're here, make sure you get the best holiday deals that they have going on all the vehicles out here at Oxmoor Ford. Uh, again, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. One day I'm going to be just out and about. Someone's going to be like, are you Trevor Kelsey? I'm like, yeah, and they're going to moon me. Just gonna pull their pants down. Right we used to do when we would do the show. I would, at, I would love that that actually happened. We I'm did not sh- lie. We yeah. used to have like a, a little studio. We would do some shows for uh, at at Lynn Stadium, like the little, little like right towards the road facing Cardinal Stadium, like glass. And I, before the Charlotte game in the the 2016 season, we were there doing the show. And I was like, if you're listening, you need to walk into the stadium, give us the middle finger, and like. 
hundreds of people were just like walking by, just giving the bird. And I'm sure if you had no idea what was going on, then you were just like, this is really mean. And I'm sure some of the people were just doing it because everybody else was doing it. But it was nice. I, I enjoyed it. it was, it's always a good time. It is cool. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We talked in the first segment about uh, Kentucky's loss last night to Missouri, how it maybe changes the, the outlook for Saturday's game, how it doesn't change the outlook for Saturday's game, uh, all that good stuff. So we'll take some text now. And then next hour, I want to get into... Uh, a little football talk. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Coming to Louisville. Will he be the quarterback? What are your thoughts on that? I feel like Card Nation is a little bit conflicted. They're a little bit split on this. Let me this. get a nickname for him because he can't be – because what, what can we do with Jack? Jack, avoid the sack Plummer. Jack the Yak. Jack. <laughs> I was trying to think because, of course, Jake the Snake already comes together with Plummer. But, like, there's – what can, can we do something with Plummer? Maybe. Uh, we got to figure out. Maybe you can watch him play. Maybe it'll come naturally. The first text that I see, and granted, this did come in way before the show started, but it's a KRC text, and I, lo- I love it too much not to read because I'm all about this KRC-KSR rivalry. I will, I've got no idea what's going on. I went on a text line last night around like midnight before I was about to watch my last movie and go to bed, and there was like 40 texts on there. They're just furious. And I, I'm just, I, I wanted to go. And I hate it because I can't click on and read them because if I do, then it looks right. unread. And I don't want them to lose it because I want them to have it in the morning. But I was like, I, like, I so badly just want to go through these right now. <laughs> Texture says, this is a KRC text. KRC Heads up text. to Roll Call listeners. Don't let Matty Jones know that you prefer Roll Call over KSR or disagree with him. He blocks you on Twitter if you do. Seems pretty soft and pathetic to stoop down to that level. Keep up the good work, guys. I appreciate you all providing a platform to have an open, unbiased argument and not pushing personal agendas. I mean, Roush is a KSR guy, though. How's he well, feel about all this? but technically Matt isn't a KSR guy anymore. How so? Because Matt's still KSR. Uh, KSR. But still Sports Radio. True, true. I get, but, but, but Roush is the, the, the print, not the radio, I think. Gotcha. I he, thought Matt still had some involvement. I don't, he might, I, but you know what? It doesn't matter because A, Roush is a Louisville fan. But true. And B, he's big X through and through, baby. Texas, I'm listening <laughs> to yesterday's pod. Did Trevor refer to Betty White and Lake Placid as Jane Fonda, LOL? I mean, no. probably. No, but Betty White and uh, not Jane, I guess is it Bridget Fonda? Is in the, both are in the movie, though. Bridget Fonda's in the movie? Yeah, she plays the, the Pullman's love interest. Not Jane? Not Jane. It's probably Bridget, then. Yeah, I probably said Jane and said, my bad. It's okay. But it was a Fonda. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The blonde girl, the, the the museum woman who comes down. I don't really remember. You don't remember the movie that well? I've seen it, I guess, more times than you. And, and all, I love Oliver Platt. I mean, most almost anything he does, I, I'm, I'm a fan of. Texas says, my favorite part of last night's Liberty Bowl was the surrender Cobra from the guy blocking the view of the critical touchdown. What a game. That was an incredible moment. I missed the, the Liberty Bowl game. How did, it, it went to like three overtimes. Yeah, it? Arkansas yeah. won 55-53. But, like, they did score, like, the game. I think Kansas scored the game-tying touchdown late. And, like, right as it's about to happen, some dude, like, in a gigantic, like, Razorback outfit nice. stands up and blocks the <laughs> – so you can't – like, it looks like the ball's thrown, and you have no idea if there's a receiver there. And, like, the announcers – because it's a wide-open touchdown. The dude's wide. Yeah. So the announcers call it where they're like, and it's caught for a touchdown. But, like, you see it, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, was there a guy there? Because he's completely blocked by the person in the guy, stand. Guy, love the Liberty Bowl. They're still, still, they still haven't updated their like, camera views to where you can't be blocked from someone standing up. The Liberty Bowl is what all bowls should be. Like it was just not madness, nonstop scoring. And so the, you know, after the the second overtime, you have to go for two. It's it's just going for two. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no plays. So Arkansas scores. It's two point conversion. Kansas does the thing where it's like a, it's a reverse pass. Like they 
toss to the running back. He tosses to the receiver. The receiver's the backup quarterback. He's got two guys pretty much wide open and throws it to absolutely nobody. Like, he throws it, like, 15 feet over everybody's head. He also could have run it in if he wanted to. He had three successful options and chose to just throw it into the crowd, and that was how the game ended. So Arkansas won. Arkansas won. Kansas is now Western Missouri. Kansas is now just, just yeah, they're nothing. They're Western. They've lost their name. <laughs> Arkansas took their name. Kansas has nothing. Texter says, um, how I envision TK getting a massage gifted to him by Mike next Christmas. Also, what child are we interrogating today, fellas? Patrick is not a child. No, no, Patrick's an adult, yeah. His dad's here. He's fine with it. We're not interrogating him. He sent a picture of Peter Griffin, but I don't know what happens next. I can only imagine. I believe he tries to poop in the where the headrest goes (laughs) for the massage because he's not sure how it works. I don't think I'm that. I couldn't see myself doing that sober. Texas, Texas, I'm just here to text that I'm very happy Scott Satterfield is no longer our football coach. God is good. Go Cards. (laughs) Texas, Mike, you sound like you're in the middle of a squall while talking into a solo cup. I think it's better now. I think it started off rough. I think it's better now. The audio quality. Justin, do we sound better now? Uh, Yes. Scoots is here today. We we mentioned that because uh, we've got... Eastern Michigan versus South Carolina tomorrow. Confidence level Ooh. one to ten. Scoots, how are you feeling? Uh, about a two and a half. Not two very and a half good. for the game. Overall for the bet though, where are you? How are you feeling now? Uh, I'm about a. I'll, I'll go with seven and a half. I think it's a solid confidence. I think level. it's gone down. I mean, he's going down a little bit, right? A little bit. He, yeah, it was. It was about nine and a half a couple weeks ago. But yeah, it's it's slowly going down a little bit. When that Western game happened, you you got nervous, didn't you? I did. Yeah. That. But here's the thing: Louisville's not going to shoot like that every night, and and they've proved that ever since. So he's the not, confidence level right. started he's to not. creep back up. Uh, Ken Palm does project right now Eastern Michigan to win nine games and Louisville to win five. So, Woo! Oh my the odds are on. The Detroit Mercy win was big for EMU. That it, was, That man. was a big one. That sucked, too, because I showed up to the Christmas party so pumped. I thought we were tied, too, too. I walk in there with my chest pumping. I'm like, yeah, we're tied. Now, we just won today. I'm like, yeah, crap. The new year is going to be very big for the Eagles because their two most winnable games, according to the, the, the analytics, are – their first two games of 2023. They play Bowling Green at home and then Central Michigan at home. They need to get at least one of those to feel good about, I think, for Scoots to feel good, going into the heart of conference play. I want them both. (laughs) There's going to be a long stretch, I feel like, in January and February. The score is going to stay the same for a a long time for both these teams. It stayed the same for the last first month. We're off to a a fast and furious start in this battle. It's going to do, for God's sakes. It's... We're trending towards a baseball score for sure. It's it's a race to six, I think, uh, for for whoever's going to win five hundred dollars. Which is this is the heftiest bet on the worst two teams that has to have ever been made. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it deserves a Netflix documentary in all reality. <laughs> it really does. I would love to see it. By the way, I finished Last Chance You last night. Phenomenal, incredible show. The second season. Thank you, work for it. I would die for these coaches. Like the. It, the football seasons, and I know I, I tweeted out today, a lot of people were like, I love basketball more. A lot of people were like, bring football back. The football seasons were great. Like, I love those. The big difference between the football and the basketball for me was the football coaches were just completely unlikable. Like, pompous. Like just, just pompous. Like, also, I think the, the second dude, especially, like, at least Buddy in the, the first, at East Mississippi, I think had an idea of what he was doing. The dude from the Kansas school was just a moron who tried to cover it up by cussing a lot. No, like, the, the Buddy guy's the one who got in trouble, right? He got in trouble. They yeah. both got in trouble. Both, I think that neither one of them are at those places anymore. 
the which, which Kansas school, which junior college was that? The, I think Independence. It's where Brock Doman played. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. There's not been, there, there's only a handful of like well-known JUCOs in college football. So they're, they're and they weren't well-known well known until the show started. Like they had been terrible, and then this guy who's clearly blatantly cheating to get players is makes them turns them into being semi-relevant, and then he. Once he has the last chance you show and he gets kind of the fame, the second season's an abject failure. It's a disaster. They suck. Like that guy, Jason Brown, I think is his name, is a complete moron who was, was not likable at all. I think basketball also works better for the like the vessel. The stories are, are more interesting to me. Like the the crazy thing about like Juco is, you know, he's the coach obviously wants to win. They're playing for the California state title. Like he wants to win it for his own sake. It's basketball, like, right? Yeah. Okay. He wants to win it for his own sake to, you know, for the program to win their first title, like all that good stuff. But the biggest thing for him is the best time for these kids to get recruited is the, they call it the elite eight is like they play it. It's, it's a neutral floor. It's kind of like, it's like their final four and it's later in the season. So most of the teams that are recruiting, most of the D1 schools that are recruiting JUCOs, their seasons are already over. Their coaches show up to it. It's the best chance for these kids to get seen. And so while he's desperate to get there just to you know, have a chance to win what is essentially their national title, he's more desperate to get there to get more eyes on these kids and give them a better chance of getting out, which is kind of the whole purpose there. And he also, they go in depth about how much more tough it's been now with the extra year of COVID. Like there's, there aren't as many roster spots. Like, you know, it used to be JUCOs where you always were going to find a D1 home, but now with with kids having an extra year, you've got schools that are choosing between a guy who averaged, you know, nine points at Tulsa versus a guy who's averaging 10 points in a JUCO. Like, they're they're going to go with the, the Tulsa. Game. I mean, now you don't have to go to JUCO route or, or a lower-level college route. You could just go to a non-power five conference exactly. and take somebody. I mean, it's just, so these kids are just like, you know, they're already, a lot of them are screwed, but like they're even more screwed in this day and age. It, it's just, it, it's, uh, I like the show a lot. It was, it was fantastic. And the, st- the backstories of these kids is always, they're always really, really good. And a lot of them really heartbreaking. And you find some that are much easier to root for than I would die for Damani Whitlock. Like he's, he's incredible. And then some of the other kids are just kind of, they're just kind of a-holes. Like they, you can see how they got themselves in the spot. You do feel bad for them to an extent, but at some point they've got to help themselves, and sometimes they don't do that. It's just, it's it's a good show. This is how this is again how you probably feel when I talk wrestling. Except it's a basketball show on a <laughs> show where we primarily talk about basketball. Yeah, well, they're they're both they're both script written. And, and, and there's nothing scripted about it. <laughs> You think college basketball is scripted? I'm just saying. I'm not sure there's some people helping them out with what they say under the cameras. When it's when the I don't think that that's accurate at all. That's okay. Have faith, buddy. I mean, and I, and I think that wrestling was real. You're comparing wrestling to like real life story. Like they've got video of kids sleeping in cars and stuff. You think that that's just made up? Blotted. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you think the games are just scripted? Maybe it's JUCO. Who cares, right? I mean, a lot of people. A lot of people care. That's kind of the whole point of the show. Texas says Pele was in a World War II movie with Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine called Victory, based on a true story about Nazi players and their allied captives. One of my buddies is like a diehard... True? Yeah. Trevor, you got to talk into the mic. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I kind of caught me off guard there, my bad. One of my buddies who's a diehard soccer fan, like, recommended when we were talking about Pele dying, he was like, watch Victory tonight. It's incredible. So I didn't realize it was a World War II movie. I thought it was like a documentary, but... That's pretty cool. I'll check it out. I didn't know that. Texas says, I'm the same age as you guys, but Messi is better than Pele was. Both incredible, but look at Messi, Messi in the Champions Cup. I don't, I, I don't have the information to. I don't know soccer well enough to do the comparison. I know Pele won multiple World Cups, though, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, if that's won the, three. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think that that's the goal. Then maybe I don't try to to judge. I think the difference, like. 
casual soccer people like you and I, I think we put more emphasis on World Cup than I think like diehard soccer people do. Like I think they look at because I always ask, you know, I ask. Well, about, it should be for casual though, right? I mean, if you're a casual fan, the World Cup. It's is a bigger game. deal. Like, yeah. but like, I ask, I always have to ask my soccer friends, like you know, which is a bigger deal for this team? Would it be winning the Champions League or winning the English Premier League? They're like, it kind of depends. If you haven't won the Premier League for a long time, you probably put more of it. And it's just like, it's the ins and the outs that if somebody who didn't grow up following all this can't really comment. I mean, I'm basic casual, but I mean, I couldn't tell you where Pele played soccer outside of Brazil. Other than, oh, I couldn't either. Other than playing, and I, I, be, I don't even remember, where does Messi play other than with Argentina? Well, he played for, he for Barcelona. Barcelona, okay. I know, for a long time. Um, I'm assuming he's. I don't know where he was. He with that Paris Saint Germain team now? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I just, that's what I mean. I'm just. I, yeah. I, and I'm a decent soccer fan, I think. But I mean, I can name you. You know your major clubs like your Barcelonas and your you know Manchester, Manchester United. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, he plays for Paris Saint Germain. Where's that at? It's, in it's the French, French team. French. Was it Liga, League One? Yeah, I think, I think so. that right. sounds right. Yeah. La Liga is the Italian league, or not? Or the Serie A. I, I forget, right. yeah. And Bundesliga is German. I haven't played FIFA in, a few, in about a year, so it's been a minute. Texas says, UK fans calling into the post-game show last night asking fans to Lexi- in Lexington to vandalize Cal's house was wild. Oh. Did that really happen? I wouldn't. I don't, part of me would is not shocked at that. Is, are you? That's a, yes, a little bit. I mean, I mean. I like, guess like yeah, message for calling call call yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like somebody tweeting out, like somebody needs to like yeah, throw right. something at Cal's house. Like that's one thing, but yeah. like calling in, taking the time to call into a call-in show and being like, "Hey, if you're listening and you're in Lexington, go to Cal's house and." Trash I mean, are we, gonna, are we gonna get another Harvey Dyke over here? Where the guy's calling in? He's like, "They oh, should just kill those trees." I'm sorry, he passed away. Now. I forgot how about this. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that kind of what we just had right there? Somebody, somebody actually got a toilet paper for Cal's house, and they're gonna show up at Chris Mack and be like, you know, did you do this? Oh, He's man. like, no, it wasn't me, I swear. Texas says we've moved from you had my curiosity to now you have my attention with our next future coach, Matt McMahon, am I right? Look, who tried to tell you about Matt McMahon last year? What show was that? What show was telling you that, like, we had, remember, like, the odd show where I was like, this is what happens in coaching searches? I've got Matt McMahon's agent talking to me about, like, hey, can we get some traction here? That was, that was this show. Turns out it would have been nice to, to get a little bit of that traction because it never happened. I don't remember what you're talking about. Matt McMahon, who's now the LSU coach. LSU coach, yeah. Oh, you're talking about coming, yeah. We had on the show last year, I was like, hey, had an interesting conversation last night. Got called by Matt McMahon's agent who was kind of like, hey, like, he'd be interested in Louisville. Like, what, what, would there be? Uh, like, I think there was, some, there was an effort there to drum up some interest from Louisville that, that never really transpired. Um, but he's, hey, he certainly has built his resume. One more than two games. My whole thing with Matt McMahon last year was, I, like, I, I think I even go back and check the tape when we had this conversation. Like, I think my stance was, I actually think he's a guy who could probably do a good job right here. He's not a guy that you can sell the fan base to right now. He's Murray State's coach. You know, here's the thing though. It's you at the time, yes. At the higher, you would have trouble selling it. But don't you think he would have been sold right now if he had he had a better record than Kenny Payne, which he pro- he couldn't possibly might have. I mean, do you mean like at Murray? Like it, no, if he'd come to Louisville instead. Well, yeah. I, I was. I mean, I was just talking about like hiring him last spring. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. You hire anybody, and they're thirteen and zero right now. The fans well, are going to be on board with him. No, or no, no. Right uh, yes, at the, at the initial hiring, it would have been a tough sell. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Josh Hurd was was thinking. So let me get this straight. He goes to LSU. They LSU gets him, and they're they're now like what thirteen and one or something, twelve and one. They have one loss. I know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in return, we get. 
Devin Reed from them, and oh, he, hasn't even, and he hasn't even played. I mean, I mean, are we getting Larry Anderson, the, the Jeff Bagwell here? I mean, the, 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 not the best trade. I want to say Jeff. <laughs> Uh, LSU is 12 and one. Their only loss this season was to Kansas State on a neutral by two, and they they beat Arkansas last night. Who we've learned firsthand how good they are. They are um, good, actually. Um, they've also beat Wake Forest. Not not a fantastic risk. Like I still there's a, and their next game is against Kentucky on the road. Wake like, Forest sucks. Like I think I think LSU is going to like flirt with the NCAA tournament. They may not make it, but like that type of season is all that we really wanted to see from Kenny Payne in year one. Like that, because they play extremely hard. You can tell they're well coached. They never beat themselves. Like that's all that anybody wanted to see in year one. And if it wasn't good enough to make the NCAA tournament, or even if it wasn't good enough to have a 500 record, I think fans would have still accepted that because of the roster looking the way it did going into the year. But for us to be just this abysmal and then looking around and seeing other coaches that were in similar situations. I mean, LSU is, is the most analogous situation to us that there is, and they should have had a harder time getting players in the transfer portal just because it's seeming it's LSU. We're Louisville. And also they were kind of up more of Bleeps Creek than we were when it came to violations. Um, there's a reason why they fired Will Wade, but here they are 12 and one beating top 10 teams. I know they held on to Wade as long as they could, didn't they? They, they did, yeah. <laughs> well, they did suspend him for the NCAA tournament when it first broke, and then they were like, nope, you're good. Bring him back for a couple of years. <laughs> and they fired him right before the next, the last NCAA tournament. I mean, NC State also, but NC State got their ruling against a little earlier, though, than, than the most, so. Yeah. Texas says, uh, Coach Matt will still be interested here in four months. We needed to see him go through this uh, one LSU year to show that he can rebuild in one year. I mean, maybe. I, I don't yeah, yeah, I'm, I can't get into all that. I'm telling you now, though, if there's some, for some weird reason Kenny Payne is not back after one season, you're going to have to get a name better than Matt. Maybe, but, I mean, that's again, that's what we were saying. That's my whole point is what we were saying last year, and he clearly, I think, is a guy who could have done a good job here. I mean, it's, it's easier to sell the fan base on a guy like Matt McMahon this spring than it was last spring for sure because yeah, I mean if he takes LSU tournament to go Sweet 16 then yeah then it's the name sells more but, but who else are you going to get I mean you're, you're not going to get Jay Wright I'm sorry it's not happening Cal Perry it's you, you can still probably get Mick Cronin I can tell you that much Chris Beard been cleared yet Chris Beard's not coming here <laughs> Mick Cronin would come here and he's got a top four team right now I mean this team go, this team wins two games all year we look the other way for Chris Beard no no Texas, please tell me you listened to the UK post game last night. It was absolute gold. Did, did not. Texas says, how stoned is Trevor today? Good God, he sounds two sheets to the wind, even worse than usual. I'm sober. Texas, have you listened to Zach Soskin on any of the other UofL pods? Apparently getting Clarkson means even more than I thought as far as the resources and influence that Steve brings for future recruiting classes going forward. I, I didn't listen to I know he was on Louisville Sports Live last night. I saw the quotes that came out of it. I thought the one that stood out to me was he's talking about, he's like, these St. John Bosco kids, these Cali kids that are coming here, they won a national title when they were in middle school. They won a national title when they were in high school. They're not coming to Louisville to go 7-5 and five or 8-4. and four. Like, that's not, you know, early on we realized that it's going to be a building process, but they're coming here to be a part of the college football playoff, Damn which I was like, that's what we want to hear. That's what I right. like. That's all I want. Jeff's here to lead them. But I think we all knew, I mean, we all knew how big of a deal Pierce Clarkson was just because of the ties to his dad. I mean, his dad runs one of the most elite quarterback camps in America. He's a, 
works with Adidas. He's been instrumental in landing some of these other recruits, as has Pierce. So to have him in the fold for the next several seasons, I think, is a big deal. Um, I, th- I mean, I think he <coughs> was on board with getting Jack Plummer as a one-year stopgap at quarterback, and then hopefully his son will be ready to go as a redshirt freshman in year two. It's it's a good guy to have in your corner, for sure. And his son is, is already, I mean, we've already reaped the benefits of having him on board. I think this class doesn't come together the way it did without him. Do we redshirt Pierce, do you think, or do we kind of use him in a minor version of, of, of Brian's role in freshman year? I think it depends on how good he is and, yeah. and how good Plummer is to be. Like, not even, not even as much as Brian was used, but a little bit of role in that similar way. I mean, you forget how... It's he was so rare for that to work as well as it did, and it worked so well that you had Stefan LaFours, who was the offensive uh, player of the year in Conference USA, and Brian Brom, who was the freshman of the year in Conference yeah. USA. Like, that's an unbelievable um, job by Bobby Petrino and everybody with, with that happening. I mean, you've got if you even if you don't think that Pierce is ready to really significantly help you for an entire season, and we can talk more about this in the second hour. You've got four games to get him out there too. Like yeah. he can he can play in four games and still redshirt. So. We'll see. Texture says, reasonable minds can disagree on Pele versus Messi, but Messi is in the discussion. For my money, he's the best. I think, again, I think it's an age thing. I mean, anybody texting in, I mean, are you under the age of maybe 30? If you're under the age of, like, maybe 30 to 25, I think you're probably, I can see where you're probably going Messi over Pele. Yeah. I mean, Pele hasn't been relevant since, what, like, early 90s? I mean, so I, I get that. Again, that's that's why, it's, and you're also maybe the same one that will maybe say, you know, someone over Gretzky, or, or you'll say LeBron over Jordan. Texas says now that is definitely a smoker's cough. Yeah, you're having you're having some trouble there. Well, that, it, was, it was a smoker's cough, but I haven't smoked yet. Not to the next break. Texas, I don't care if the next coach is sellable. I don't care if I've never heard of him before, as long as he can actually coach the game. Now that's a that's a that's a real fan right there. Well, I, I think, agree. I think we're all in the same boat, but yeah. like. You're still going to have, like, you're going to have to sell the fan base on the next coach, but it's a much easier sell now than it was eight months ago, for sure, because, look, we're, we're at the bottom. Texas says UK will snatch up Coach Matt if we wait two years. I don't know about that. Let me, let me ask you a question real quick, and maybe I should say this for a second hour, though. Okay. But I want to know, kind of, where do you stand with Cal? Let's, we, we don't have enough time, I think, to get into that, but I, I will talk about it okay. we, we, that's, a, that's a good second hour question Texas if Cal leaves UK would the U, would the uh, fan base take him like Patino would UofL fans take him like Patino no I mean you gotta remember Patino left UK at, like the height of the sport like he was the man yeah. and he went to the NBA and failed and when Three he came years. back he was clearly the most attractive option on the board like Cal unless something changes again it certainly seems like he's on the downside. You don't want a guy who couldn't hack it at UK. Like you don't want Satterfield. You don't want to be Cincinnati in this scenario, which kind of feels like we would be. Oh, did, did you just literally compare John Calipari to Scott Satterfield? Second half tenure in UK, yeah, they're very average. That's <laughs> Satter Cal. Califield. 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 Texas says if Matt That's McMahon. That's the message boards, by the way, if it's not by now. <laughs> Texas says if Matt McMahon was our coach, the second something went wrong, you'd have the KP crowd. Would be, they'd be going crazy about how we made the wrong decision. There's no question about it. Like, There's no doubt. If we had hired Mick Cronin and he was 12 and 1 right now, people would be saying Kenny Payne would have been 13 and 0. Or he, or he, or he goes 13. He's he, he's undefeated, but he loses to Kentucky. It's, Kenny, Kenny Payne would have been. I mean, you wouldn't even have to wait that far. The first exhibition game where a guy turns the ball over, like, Kenny Payne team wouldn't do that. The former players would be upset. Like, they wouldn't be coming back. They'd be you know, oh, boycotting. You know, we get, and, it, I mean, it, it's exactly what would have happened. It's why I said at the time, like, this is, 
I have significant doubts and reservations about hiring Kenny Payne. But if you're going to do it, do it now. Because if it fails, you're still you're in a more sellable position to the big-time names out there two years from now, three years from now, uh, with the NCAA stuff being over and all that stuff happening. And you've appeased those players who have been clamoring for something like this for two decades. You can finally say, hey, we tried. It didn't work. Time for you guys to, to put a sock in it, stop it, and we move on as a program. We're going to do things the normal way now. And I think we know that in basketball, the right hire can turn things around very quickly. We're seeing that at a lot of programs Everyone right now. But apparently <laughs> one. That, that can't happen here, apparently. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll shift the conversation a little bit to football. We'll talk about Jack Plummer coming in. We'll talk Jack about Plummer. what Jeff Brom has been able to do in the transfer portal. All that good stuff and more of your text at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Weatherford Show, live from Oxmoor Ford here in St. Matthews on 1450 and 96.1 The Big Axe. Welcome in second hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show live from Oxmoor Ford in St. Matthews here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. And reminder, holiday deals are still going on here at Oxmoor Ford. Stop by anytime between now and January the 3rd and get the best deals of the year here at Oxmoor Ford. If you've been eyeing a new Ford Edge, they can save you up to 20%. Uh, again, stop in. See the deals. Talk to one of these dealers. Mention Big X Sports Radio. Uh, they're not going to give you anything this time, but still just do it. It's fun. It's you'll get a smile out of some people here. Get a high five. You get a high five here. They'll talk about Trevor. They'll mention the the lovely Big X polo that he wears every time he shows up here. If you come up and mention Big X while we're here, and they will, I will allow the, the salesman to come over and smack me clearly one time across the face. It's well, that's, you got two hours to make that happen. <laughs> we won't be here all weekend. We won't How be here early next week. How much is it worth to you to see me get smacked? It's going to be fantastic. Make that happen, please, my, just for my, my sake. Buy a car today. <laughs> uh, we talked ba- almost exclusively basketball there in the first hour. We will get back to the basketball conversation because, look, it's I know it's a weird rivalry game, but it is. we are less than two days away now from the battle for the bluegrass. So there's, Where wonky comes to mind? Wonky is correct. It's a, it's a wonky game. <laughs> a, I think both sides. Eased enough. Both sides are in different stages of grief. I, I think U.K. fans are more angry, whereas U.K. fans are just kind of an acceptance. I think, I think UK fans... They're mad. They're, they're, they're always like, oh, the world's coming to an end. They're, they're always a Debbie Downer, I feel like, too much. Did you see the picture that was making its rounds of the meme last night of, you know, the the, the photo from the set of um, Passion of the Christ where Mel Gibson is sitting there. He's, he's in his directorial clothes, like oh, jeans, yeah. and, and he's talking to the, the guy playing Jesus who's, like, in his full character outfit, yeah, drenched in blood. Whatever, yeah, yeah the, the, the crown of thorns is on, and it was like, this is a UK fan complaining about his team. These are U of L fans. Like yeah, the, it was, it was the perfect that. meme for this, the current situation. Like we get it. You guys are in a bad spot for you. Try to put yourself in our shoes for like five seconds. Yeah. Good luck. Not 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 this Saturday because we're gonna beat you though. I like that confidence. Bro. I'm, 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 you think I'm confident now? Which one tomorrow? You gonna fake it a little bit or? I mean, I, I have been known to fake it on occasion, but yeah. not in this scenario. Let's talk the news that broke right when we went off the air yesterday, because of course it did. Jack Plummer, Jack Plummer, who 
my favorite note about this before we get into the ins and the outs of, of what bringing him into the fold means has the potential if he does wind up being Louisville starting quarterback next season, he could potentially start three different games against Notre Dame in three consecutive years for three different schools because the Cards play the Fighting Irish this year. That would be quite the stats. Right? I, mean, I would assume it has not been done before, so we're, we're history-making already with Jack Plummer. That's awesome. Coming here. But uh, Plummer's six foot five, 215 pounds. He entered the transfer portal as a graduate transfer. He does just have one year of eligibility. This isn't one of those, like, He's been playing college football for five years, but he's a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, This is his last year, so 2023 will be his final rodeo. He started all 12 games for Cal this past season, threw for just over 3,000 yards and 21 touchdowns, also threw nine picks. Uh, he, um, of course, started his career at Purdue, played for Jeff Brom for three seasons, tossed for a total of 3,405 yards and uh, 26 touchdowns. He, I think... Very injury Injury. his first years. Of injuries have played a factor, yeah. for sure. Big arm, more of a pocket yeah, passer, yeah. not real. I mean, they kind of list him as a dual threat. He's not. He's more of the standard Jeff Brom pocket he, quarterback. He's got that Dan Marino slide out, maybe move. Uh, I guess mobility. I wouldn't say he's mobile though. I, I think that's fair to say. He's, he, he, he can slide around in the pocket. I mean, yes, I, I, but he's not gonna. He's not gonna take off on you. But he's presumably now your starting quarterback for next season. Yeah. You've got Brock Doman coming back unless something changes. You've got Caleb Johnson, who we still know nothing about, coming back for his his redshirt freshman season. You've, Are we, is he here still? We don't, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's already announced that he's, he's coming back. He's staying okay. here. Okay, good. You, you, then you have Pierce Clarkson, the true freshman, entering the fold, who is, mm-hmm. is highly touted as well. And then our guy, Nathan McElroy, from Trinity the Walk-On. Wild card, don't count out the Trinity Walk-On with Jeff Brown as, as the, the, the head coach. But it sounds like this is going I'm to be a situation. Conley announced he's going to Cincinnati, right? I have not heard. Um, so we have not, we're not official on that one yet? Conley has not announced anything to my knowledge. Okay. But you now have. You can assume probably he's not going to be in the mix. But. I, if he stays, he's still. He's not going to be playing football, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but he is still. Is, according to his Twitter profile, he still has UofL quarterback in there. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Who knows? Um, but he has not up t- tweeted since the end of the season. But five quarterbacks now. Four on scholarship, five if you want to count Conley, who are in the fold for next season. If nothing else, you have a more depth, deep quarterback room than you had a year ago. You don't feel like it's Malik Cunningham or bust. You've got options. We'll see what Caleb Johnson can do during this, this, this offseason. I'm very curious to see that because Jeff Brom, look, Jeff's the kind of guy, if it comes to be that Caleb Johnson is this diamond in the rough, this jewel, and I know Keith Wynn was very high on him when he signed here, and he feels like he can be the next guy. He's not going to be beholden to Pierce Clarkson just because he was more highly touted coming out of high school. He's not even just going to give the job to Jack Plummer. If he thinks Caleb Johnson can play, he's going to play him, so we'll get a chance to see what he can do during the spring. And he, I think Jeff's also a guy, if he thinks that Pierce Clarkson can help him immediately, he'll have no problem burning that red shirt, and even if he doesn't start him, play him in all 12 games, have, have a role carved out for him. But if he thinks Jack Plummer's the guy, which seems like the more, most likely scenario, that's your quarterback for next season. And he strikes me as a guy who maybe you know, isn't going to set the world on fire and be in the ACC player of the year, but who can help you win seven, eight, maybe nine games if things go well. Yeah, and, and obviously one big perk is he knows the system. That's he, the big he, thing. He comes in, you know, I mean, you already kind of a, a, ahead of everyone else. <laughs> Regardless whether they've already been here or not, or already here now or not, I mean he know he knows Jeff's system. I mean, you said he did it for three years, except for the year in Cal. I'm sure, he still remembers most of the ins and outs and the and the and the audibles and so on and so forth. So that's obviously a big plus. It's interesting to see if that 
you know, it, it, Jeff just kind of molds to this team, uh, this style, because this team's going to be, Jack can be more of a, a, a game manager almost. Mm-hmm. Than just someone who has to air it out and throw you know four thousand yards and twenty something touchdowns. He threw it a bunch of Cal last year for sure. I mean, he did, and Callison went like four and eight, I think. Exactly, too, more out of necessity than design. <laughs> yeah. That's a... and, and and this team and and this is a team that has running a running game that you can lean back on a little more. I mean, and I think you know, unlike Satterfield and unlike some coaches maybe around, not to name anybody in particular, just just random coaches around. You know, I think. We'll interested to see if Jeff will will be more kind of changed the way his more air out scheme to 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 fit what we have in already right here, which is the better running team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you feel I think good. Will. You you feel good about Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner coming back. Um, you you bring in the the, the Purdue running back uh, who was going to go there, Dewan uh, Brown. Is his la- I think that's his last name. Yeah. Who I know. Uh, Keith pointed out we're kind of like, oh, you know, whatever, three-star running. Like, he would be one of the most highly rated running backs to ever come to Louisville. I think he is one of the most highly rated running backs to ever sign with Louisville. We're just, you know, we had Reuben Owens on the mind, which kind of devalued things a little bit. But he's, I think he can Let's factor. You look at those charts. A lot of times you'll look at those in your top ten running backs. And yeah. be a bust, and the best guy was a three-star that, out of the list. I mean, you know, they're best running. Their 1,000-yard rusher at Purdue, if he gets 80 yards in the Citrus Bowl, is a guy that was a walk-on. So, yeah, they, yeah. you know, they – they can work with what they've got. I think you do need maybe a couple of offensive linemen coming into the fold. What's good about this when we're talking about still needing to fill some positions of need? Well, that's 24-7 sports, they do because, you know, it's not just recruiting rankings anymore. You've got to rank how teams do in the transfer portal. It's become that important. In their rankings, they have Louisville right now at number 16 in transfer portal, uh, I guess. Slash recruiting. Just, just transfer portal. Okay. Just transfer portal rankings. I didn't know if they were combining them or doing separate. I wasn't sure. And here's what we've done. If you want to talk about, like, losses, and I know we had originally it was like, oh, we got 10 or 11 guys in the portal. Two of those guys have come back. And here are the losses that we're talking about. We lost the punter, Mark Vassett, which breaks my heart, to Colorado. We lost uh, safety Nicario Harper to Illinois, which I do think. He would have played this season. He was a guy that they felt good about. In Illinois, I'm sure they, he would have probably got to play down. You lose two running backs. Travion Cooley is going to Georgia Tech. We still don't know where Jalen Mitchell's going, but he's not coming back. Henry Bryant, uh, edge rusher who did not play much here, is going to Georgia State. Not a, not a huge loss there. Caleb Banks is a big loss. I think they liked him a lot. Defensive lineman who's going to Florida. You only lost two guys to Cincinnati, which is, again, kind of a testament to Scott Satterfield maybe not being – the world's most popular coach while he was here, but Luke Kandra, who would have started on the offensive line, that's a big loss, is going up there, and Dorian Jones, who would have... I mean, have the recruiting class that flipped I think two flipped. Two as well. You lost Dorian Jones, who was going to help you out the linebacker position. He's going to Cincinnati as well. And the only two guys that are in the, the, the transfer portal right now, besides Jalen Mitchell, who have not found a landing spot, are Zach Edwards, defensive lineman, didn't play much, and Rance Conner, cornerback, who played a little bit at the beginning of the season, but not much in the second half of the year. So you feel okay about that. And then your additions now, you've already added, and this isn't taking into account the kids from Purdue who flipped, you've got Jack Plummer now, the quarterback from Cal. Uh, Marquise Groves-Killebrew, cornerback, we we talked about him yesterday, from Texas A&M. Harmon's nephew. Jaden Thompson, the wide receiver from Cincinnati, who does come to this program from Scott Satterfield's new program. Miles Slusher, safety from Arkansas, who's one of the top 30 rated players in the portal at any position. And top 10 name. Top, great name. Devin Neal, cornerback from Baylor, very experienced player there, played, yeah. start, started nine games for them last season. Jimmy Calloway, wide receiver from Tennessee. Rodney McGraw, didn't play much at Penn State, but is a was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. Tim's nephew. And then uh, Stephen Heron, who, from Trinity, 
big-time player at Stanford, uh, has been a, a contributor for them for four years. You're bringing all those guys into the fold. You've got seven power conference transfers. You're still looking at other spots. So far, the portal has been good to Louisville. It oh, was, yeah. It was great for, to Louisville last year. Jeff Brom not missing a beat here. And according to these 24-7 sports rankings, one of the top 20 transfer portal classes today. Well, let me ask you, right now, now that you have Plummer secured, and that was kind of the biggest question mark, I think, at this as of at least yesterday at you know, sure. 5 o'clock. You need a quarterback. You know, what was going to come back. Right now is now is the focus on the wide receiver position. I know you mentioned two names right there. You obviously have Bruce coming back. You have Braden Smith coming back. Uh, there might be somebody else I'm forgetting is coming back. You mentioned Ford going pro. Uh, I mean, you still want to you want to feel warm and cozy and maybe bring another wide receiver from somewhere else in terms of the transfer portal, correct? I think you do. I, I think the, the more the you more you have, the better good. you have of getting one. That's, yeah, I mean, I think you feel good about depth at this point. I mean, they've got a ton of wide receivers now if you just look at the roster because Braden Smith gets the extra year of eligibility. Amari yeah. Huggins-Bruce is coming back. Yeah. Um, we still haven't heard what's going to happen with D. Wiggins. He got hurt at the beginning of the year. Yeah, he could <laughs> he could potentially have an extra year of eligibility. We'll see if he uses that. The last time we saw him when he dropped in the pass in the end. He wasn't great either. Yeah. I mean, you, you get three, even without DeAndre Moore, you've got three wide receivers in your recruiting class. I think okay. I know Keith, he feels confident about Katara Six being a guy who can get on the field immediately as a true freshman. Okay. You've got two transfers. Five, that's seven. You've got so. two transfers now coming in. I think my answer to your question is yes, but I think if you're looking at a wide you don't just add one to add one at this point because you feel okay about the depth. You need a playmaker. If you can go out there and get one of the top five wide receivers in the transfer portal, a guy who can be your big-time deep threat that you did not have this past year, that's who you need to target. You need – we were so lacking in big-time weapons offensively this past year. Don't get me wrong, Malik deserves his fair share of the blame for the off, the passing game never really getting going. But he also just didn't have guys that could get separation. He didn't have guys that could consistently be big-time downfield threats. You need to go get that guy. Like, if he's out there, that's the player that you need to prioritize. I think you also need to go get a stopgap offensive lineman who can fill in and play right away because, look, you didn't. Luke Kandra's gone, who had been a starter for you this past year. Caleb Chandler's going to lo- leave a big hole. He's an All-American in the preseason for a reason. You bring back some guys, but you're going to have two open spots that are going to be either filled by hopefully an experienced transfer or somebody who you're really not sure if he's up to the task. I mean, I assume just, I mean, it's maybe just a, a stereotype because he went to Tennessee, but I would think the wide receiver went to Tennessee was a decent recruit coming out of high school, was he not? Well, I'm talking about offensive line now. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I, I just was just talking about being confident wide receiver, a little bit of position. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do much at Tennessee. Here. No, but they, they also <laughs> focused heavily on the one guy. What was I forget his name now? The receiver that that blew up all last year. Yeah, I mean, you're. Who knows? I mean, he, he might be. Who knows? Maybe they just didn't use him enough. But the last time we said that, it was about Brandon Holly Hatfield. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's a five star kid. Don't forget, we have, we want you to forget that, right? And how's that going? <laughs> hey. It's still the jury's not out yet, okay. But on the offensive line, I mean, Brian Hudson was fantastic. He has the option to return for this this season. You lose Caleb Chandler for sure. I would think Hudson probably returns, right? We'll see. Okay. You're losing Adonis Boone. You know that. Um, Trevor Reed, I think, is a senior who 
I guess maybe he has a year of eligibility. I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I only know Adonis Boone's gone because he put out the announcement. And again, I can't keep track of whether or not these kids yeah. are turning down extra years or they just have no eligibility and they're making themselves eligible. Well, long before we can get it back to the normal of like, I know. just what class are get they? Get past the like five yeah. years removed from the COVID stuff. Uh, Michael Gonzalez, who filled in a variety of, of, of ways this past season, he'll be back. Um, Austin Collins, I think, is still around. He could potentially come in and help you out at center if you needed him to. And then you still need a couple. They're going to have to go out and get some guys from the transfer portal unless you want to rely heavily on these freshmen who are coming in. Maybe Madden Sanker is good enough to start right away. He's the highest-rated offensive lineman recruit that Louisville's ever signed. But it's a even for five-star kids, high four-star kids, it's a very tough position to come in and be good at as a true freshman. It's an understatement, yeah. by the way. It rarely happens, you even know, at the highest level. Uh, even, yeah, you, you, maybe your, your top, top recruits, like uh, what was the kid at Alabama recently, the Evan Neal kid that just came out in the draft, he, who played right away as a freshman. He's also 6'7", 360 pounds as a freshman, like a five-star number one tackle coming yeah. out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I agree. It, it, here's the thing. If they're pro- I mean, there's some exceptions to the rule, but if you're playing on the offensive line and you're ready to play as a freshman, Odds are you're probably going to go be at Alabama or Ohio State anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about one. There's the, some that sneak under the radar. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying the, the majority, and the, even those are few and far between. One of the better offensive linemen that Louisville's produced in the last few years was Jamon Brown, and if you remember, he started his freshman season Defense. as a defensive lineman. Yeah. And they flipped him over to offense midway through the year as a true freshman, just out of complete necessity. They were already thin on the offensive line. They had a couple of guys get hurt, but he had to play. And he was, for as good as he wound up being, he was completely lost as a true freshman. They basically threw him out there because he's big and he's athletic. And they were like, don't worry about scheme. Just try to block a dude in front of you. Just do what you can. Get in somebody's way. And he had no idea what was going on. And that's, a lot of times the situations aren't that stark. But you do have kids, like, it takes a long time to figure out communicating on the offensive line and what you need to do. It's so different from high school. that even, And you you got to get bigger. The, the biggest dudes say, coming yeah, out of high I mean, school that's, that's the thing to me is it's just, are still you, not big enough. Yeah, I mean, you can be working out. You can be as, you can be Evan Neal, 6'7", 360 pounds all you want. You know, uh, you're still, I mean, yeah, you're, there's a difference between you being 18 and he's being 22-year-old men on the other side. I it's mean, t- huge, totally different. Yeah, huge. That's why. Yeah, yeah. The offensive line is the toughest position. I mean, in fact, offense, offensive linemen is probably one reason why the NFL is definitely going to keep that three-year rule too. Because you said, you might just get offensive line in high college, no. bounce in the NFL. Some teams draft him because of potential. He's going to get murdered out there. Or they just have to sit around and do nothing for three years yeah. while they get bigger. And that's uh, it's I mean, why everybody brings up, well, you can't. How can you possibly have this rule? Kids can go pro for baseball. Kids can go pro after one year. Football's a different animal. Yeah, it's, it's just, are you going to have a, couple, a kid every now and then to get screwed because he can't go to the NFL and he's ready at 19, 20? Sure, but those are so few and so far between. And they also play very specific positions. Running back you, or wide receiver, really. And you, you can't make a rule that's like, hey, if you're, a, if you're a wide receiver, you can go pro at 19, but if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you can't. Like It's just it's not going to work. The rule's there for a reason. I, I, I get why there's pushback against it, but it would put NFL teams in a really unenviable spot where they would take an 18-year-old offensive lineman who's got great potential and then just pay him millions of dollars to just lift weights and eat for two years. Do you know why? Uh, because it was for you. It used to be you couldn't even leave early until the late 80s. Do you know who who caused the rule to move to three years? Was it that dude who was the, the best that ever was? That's Marcus Dupree. Because he, he went to the CFL. He sued, but he did not, he did not get the change to happen. 
it wasn't. I remember everybody saying that Herschel Walker was the the only guy that they felt like could have gone right from high school to the NFL. He tried to sue as well, but went to the USFL. Who was it? Barry Sanders. Oh, well, that makes sense. The Barry Sanders rule. He was. He was very good. He's pretty good exception to make the rule, right? Speaking of football, we've got the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl going on right now. This <laughs> this could have been Louisville. We could have been playing in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Instead, it's Syracuse, and they are trailing uh, Minnesota 21-13 right now late in the third quarter. The Gophers and P.J. Fleck rowing that boat all over uh, the Syracuse, who started off. Syracuse <clears throat> Pinstripe Bowl would get decent attendance maybe, right? I mean, I guess it's I – mean, we are talking Define decent. Well, I mean, I guess Syracuse is northern New York and New, the pin, pinstripes in southern New York, so I guess. It's I don't care if it's the if they're playing in Syracuse. Getting <laughs> getting people to go to Yankee Stadium in late December is going to be a tough task. Uh, it's I'm sure it's better attended than it would be if it were like I don't know Louisville playing well, it in it. Has more attendance than the Midway Bowl. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Probably. <laughs> That's setting the bar very high. There. Yankees greater than Red Sox still to this day. <laughs> Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sacks line if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on this this football, uh, the moving and shaking that's happening right now. But to, to get back to the, the final point there, I think if you're looking, Jeff has done a really good job at addressing the gaps that have been there in the secondary. And you went out and you got two very experienced guys that can help yep. you out immediately. And that's big because you're losing Keechel Clark to the draft. Uh, you're losing uh, MJ Griffin, I believe, is gone after this season. Like you're, You've lost three of your primary contributors in the secondary. I think now what he needs to do, offensive line, he's got help at linebacker now with Monty Montgomery coming back, and they brought in Stephen Heron, who's a, a big time, he'll help fill the void that Yassir Abdullah is leaving behind. You still probably, you'd love to have one more linebacker that would help you out there, but the trench is on the offensive side now. That's To me, that's the big one. you you got to find a couple of guys. You'd like to have a tight end, too. I mean, who's tight ends? Who's, who is our tight end on the depth chart? I mean, Ian Pfeiffer, I think, will be, or the the, uh, the Griff Isaac Martin will be I know back. Ford was technically a H back. Yeah, he I was. Mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, under Brahms' system, I don't. Marshawn would have played. He would have been a different end. role. Think, yeah. But and he was. I mean, blocking was not. He, he's Marshawn's a fine blocker for his size, but that's not the strength of his game. Yeah. Um, he's more of a, a wide receiver. For his size. He's pretty. He's not that big. Actually. He's, he's not. He's, yeah. He's six two two fifty maybe. Yeah. For sure. Which is why I think you. Pretty small for tight end. Yeah. It would have been a different role for him. Yeah. The, the text line is also pointing out that you recently said put it on the calendar. The jury's not out yet. <laughs> How's that not? What's wrong with that? I believe the saying is the jury's still out. No, the, jur- the jury's not out yet. They're still in the room being sequestered. They, they haven't even started the process. You ever been in a jury? No, you've you've told yeah. this story before. Take your cell phones. Make yeah. you go sit in a the room. They yeah. gave us a sandwich though. The jury's not out yet. The jury's not out yet. They're still they're still hearing evidence. <laughs> It's um, not nearly my worst. Come on. It's people. not. It's just not the same. I'm nitpicking on this one. Put it on the calendar, though. Hey, we got to get 365 of these. That's they, true. They yeah. can't all be absolute gems. <laughs> Somebody's got to be a Tuesday. Somebody's, <laughs> one of them has to be Tuesday, June 3rd. They can't, <laughs> they can't all be fantastic. Um, so I'm trying to think of the tight ends that we have right now. You'd have Isaac Martin is gone. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. We lost the other the, the other kid that they felt good about. You do you signed one tight end in this class, but yeah, tight end's probably a position where you'd love to go out and get somewhere an accomplished player. Yeah, whether it's from, let me, so, or so where, where where is Rutherford's confidence with Jack Plummer? Let, Plummer's the guy. Now I have been I don't want to say I've been hard. I've been I want to be confident he can be good, and he's shown like in Cal that he can put up the numbers. He didn't look awful at Purdue when he was able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I mean, I guess I'm slightly nervous, but I, I'm, I'm going into optimistically. 
if that's a word. Um, where, where, where are you at? Where, where's your confidence level on Jack Plummer as a starting quarterback at UofL? I think he fits what Louisville was looking for in terms of he's a one-year guy. That's, yeah. that's what you want. You, you didn't want, because you've got Pierce Clarkson there, I'm assuming you didn't want a kid coming in who is like a Hudson Card situation who did wind up going to Purdue where he could be your starter for the next four years, theoretically. Uh, he... Maybe. Yeah, he's Richard Fresher, right? Like two years. <laughs> he has the arm strength to get it done in the system. He knows the system. He, I mean, if Brom was able to turn Aiden McCool into a guy that could lead them to a Big Ten West championship and, you know, McCool, right? That was O'Connell. Oh, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, you're thinking, I think, you're thinking, I think thinking the basketball player. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> thank you. Hey, who am I to somebody I said, I said McCool, you said McConnell. I had, I had to double check because I'm like, no way, I'm right. <laughs> I was for a second there, I was like, yeah, it's definitely McCool. Like, oh, that's the basketball player. He takes Aiden O'Connell, who's a, I don't know if you heard this, walk on, who was an eighth string quarterback oh, when yeah, he first got I heard there. That, yeah. He makes that, I mean, and he had. He was, a, he was a backup punter. That kid had, I think, similar arm strength to what you see from Jack Plummer on film. And if he was able to turn him in that system into a guy that could win eight or nine games, depending on how they, they finish the season. I think he can win eight or nine games with Jack Plummer. That's, I think he's the, the same type question. of player. Do, is it, is, with Jack Plummer, do you feel like a, do you still feel seven wins is the minimum, if not eight? Yes. Okay. I, I think seven. I, I think that with that, with him at quarterback, ten. with the running backs you're bringing back, if he can bring, if he can get a couple of offensive linemen to really, because nothing works if you can't block. And I think he saw that at Cal last year a lot. Yeah. We don't need to see Jack Plummer going out with an injury, really. At I point. think that you should say, like, this is a team that should go to a bowl game and it has a chance to win six, seven games. The schedule next year, you never know how the ACC is going to be. The middle of the conference is unpredictable. Yeah. It doesn't look on paper as tough as it was this past season. You miss yeah, Clemson. You do have Notre Dame in the non conference. Kentucky's probably going to be pretty good again. Um, Devin Leary. Going over there, we, we can get mad about it all we want. He helps them. Oh, he's, 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 he's a big-time get, yeah, to, to, get to fill the gap left behind by Will Levis. Um, Indiana is – they've been down. Who knows how they're going to be, but that could be a weird game. Jeff Brom does own the Hoosiers. Yeah. I and then Indiana's Murray State is the other non-conference opponent. But you, you avoid Clemson in conference play. You do get Florida State. But, like, you avoid the one team that you've, you've circled on your conference schedule in recent years and said that's the only, like, more likely loss than not – I think it's it's a schedule that you've got an avenue towards seven or eight wins. I agree. I mean, and you're also right, though. I mean, you can't predict. I mean, we spent this time last year talking about how Syracuse should be the win and this and that, and Syracuse turned out to be pretty damn good. And no one saw that coming. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think even Dino Babers was shocked by it at some point. Well, they've kind of become the real Syracuse in the second half of that That's season. That's true. But Six I mean, and zero to seven and about to be seven and six here. It looks like as they fall behind twenty-eight thirteen. So what the Syracuse was actually better this year is that they, they screwed us by scheduling them first instead of last as they usually do with us. Yeah, I mean they all, their only win in the second half of the season was over Boston College. Oh, they lost five in a row before yeah, beating BC. For us. <laughs> yeah, I mean. They beat, they did beat Purdue last year in a game. They should have lost that game as well. Oh, um, hold on. Dugan wants to chime in. Well, I was just going to say, I think. Do you have breaking I could, news? I could be wrong, but you mentioned we do play Florida State. I don't think the Cars play Florida State. We don't play Florida State next year? I don't think so, Mike. Ah, well, that's, hey, not complaining about it in year one. Kentucky and Notre Dame at home. Starts with a quarterback wrong name and it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> what else am I wrong about today? Yeah. Hey, what else? What judgments? I've been trusting him this whole time. What else has he been lying to me just, on? I'm lying about everything. I, I never know what I'm talking about. Did we really get Jack Plummer? 
down over here. No, you're good. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I, I just assumed if we didn't get uh, Clemson in year one. He comes in, hits a home run, and walks away. <laughs> he just drops the mic. He drops the mic. I'm done. See ya. I assumed that we would get Florida State if we didn't get Clemson, but Dugan's right. We don't. We play Virginia Tech at home next year, which is the team that we never play. But, yeah, look at the – yeah. when's the last time we played Virginia Tech, the bowl game? So our home games next season, BC, feel pretty good about. I would be, I would hope Duke so. Duke overachieved this year, but they're Duke. Yeah. Still Virginia is – they're not exactly loving they're, life under their new head coach. They're horrible, yeah, not to mention dealing with everything else they've had to deal with. And then Virginia Tech is unpredictable. So those are our four home games. Away, Georgia Tech, we start the season against Atlanta – in Atlanta against them. We're going to beat them. Miami, we've struggled against them recently, but they've been kind of whatever. Yeah. NC State and Pitt. Miami did bring in like just like the best recruiting they, class. They always do. I mean, it's I it's know. Miami. It's Miami. Yeah, but I think they didn't flip like three people at the last minute because of uh, Neil Money. I think they've probably. got the number three recruiting class in America, according to I think the on three rankings and yeah. the best class in the ACC. So, but maybe we're a couple of years away from that really impacting their their program. Yeah, hopefully. But so it's not again. Duke is right. We miss out on FSU, who's taking strides forward. We miss out on Clemson. It's not. The world's most difficult ACC schedule. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, I think we should be able to get seven. By the way, we don't play Florida State the, the next two years. We don't play the them again until twenty twenty five. You're nine and four. No one, no one really outside your own rivals or haters are going to be like, "Well, you didn't play anybody." You're just going to look back and go, "We went nine and four. Exactly, which is the way it works. That's, that's why you stack up those wins. It's why look, Mark Stoops knows what he's doing. Yeah. He schedules these nobodies in non conference play. The Bill Snyder effect. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the Thornton sex line. Take your talk. Uh, he, people are keep pointing out you you keep not talking into the mic. Well, I don't want. I'm so, if I hold it too close, it, it distorts it. But yeah, but when you put it on the table and you talk, then it, it doesn't help out at all. Well, I'm trying not to trying to keep an even. Tilt, you keep going you know in and out because you're not talking into the mic. This is your first year. <laughs> is this your first year doing radio? <laughs> He's making. Uh, I think Duke found that amusing. He's making oral <laughs> references with the mic now. I am not. <laughs> Fallacious references with the microphone are happening in public here at Oxmoor Ford. I think that's what's happening. I yeah. Am not. <laughs> what's wrong with you? He thinks he's somewhere. Like, I don't know. We're not. Oh yeah, we are. <laughs> We're at Oxmoor Ford. We are at Oxmoor Ford. We'll be. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Stop by and see us and get one of the, get the best deals of the year while you're out here. Again, the holiday special is still going on through January 3rd. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Keep it locked right here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. won the Big X from Oxmoor Ford. We're here until 6 o'clock. Big X. Us. Get some of the best deals that Oxmoor Ford gives you throughout the year. Holiday deals, holiday specials still going on 
that will be going on until January 3rd. Stop by and take advantage. Uh, Texas on the Thornton's text line, by the way, 502-414-1450. As always, we talked last segment about football, Jack Plummer, the addition that was announced Jack last Plummer. night, how Jeff Brom has done the transfer portal, what he still needs to address. Now we want to hear from you on the Thornton's text line, which is mostly just people telling you to talk into the mic at this point. I'll speak. I mean, hopefully I sound better. I mean, Scoots is better sounding. Yeah, just do what Mike says. Talk into the mic. I think that might be the problem. I have spent the last two years doing everything Mike says. This, I, that's the least true thing that you've ever said. Mike tells me to do something. I'm do, Mike's like, you need to watch this. I watch it. Mike's like, you need to wear that. I put it on. There have been Mike's like, you need to go out with her. I call her up. There have been. Mike n- says, eat this. I swallow. No lie bigger than that. No <laughs> lie bigger than that in the year and a half, illustrious year and a half history of the Mike Rutherford show. And one thing you recommended I didn't do. I mean, I, do you want me to oh. start? <laughs> Where do you start? I don't know. <laughs> Dexter says, just when I thought this basketball season was going to be a disaster, Netflix drops a new season of Last Chance U. Can you all just do a weekly reaction to each episode instead of reacting to the games? I talked about it at the beginning of the show. You um, did. I talked about Last Chance U. It's, do we need to bring John Mosley home to Louisville, the head coach of East L.A.? Junior college. I was like, I'm looking at you like, who the hell? Rob Robinson. Mostly. Make it happen. John Texas, Robinson, the football coach? Rob Robinson. Oh. He's the assistant coach of the show. He's awesome. Is he? I'll take your report. Texture says, I don't get the plumber apprehension. He played very good versus good power five talent behind one of the worst O lines in all of football. He was sacked 31 times, for God's sake. His numbers were similar to Devin Leary's. Uh, they were. I saw. I saw. This. I think Roush got into it with Ty Spalding on Twitter about this, with the, with the whole stats thing between Leary and uh, Plummer and Plummer, yeah. and they, they have similar paths. I mean, technically, Leary only had the really one good year, and he's been injured primarily around that year. Yes. And Plummer had was injured and had the good year last year. I think Leary's numbers might have been slightly better, depending on your perspective and, and what you prefer, but. I, I mean, it, it, I think Leary's a perfect fit for what UK wants to do there. I think Plummer can be a perfect fit for us. I don't think it really matters who's better individually. Yeah, I mean, Plummer, again, this is a guy, he was the focal point of the offense last season. He threw the ball over 30 times every single time he stepped on the field, threw it over 40 times, uh, multiple times last season. Like, they asked. They were down probably 20 points on every game. They and, asked a lot of him, and he you know, put up some some gaudy numbers as a result and the only time that I really and I know I've mentioned this before the only time I really sat down and watched an extended period of time where he was playing again I would have watched more if I'd known he's coming to Louisville but <laughs> Cal football not exactly on my radar all the time uh, during the, the months of September and October I like the basketball team they were racing to see who's worse in about five yeah I mean I'm, I'm fully focused <laughs> on Cal basketball all the yeah. time I have been since Y King got out there but I, I watched him play against Notre Dame and, you know, I was like, he's he's fine. He, he, he's good. But it's hard to tell when you've got that little time to throw. He was always on his back. He was always pressured. You didn't get a chance to see him take many downfield shots because, you know, he you couldn't let those routes develop because he was always under pressure. Yeah. And even when he wasn't, you could tell he was so antsy to get the ball out of his hands because he just assumed that pressure was coming that it, it made it kind of hard to gauge. But, look, watch his What eyes. kind of weapons did he have at Cal anyway, Roundup? I can't imagine. I would hope that we're going to have more for him to throw to here yeah. than was available for him in Berkeley. But I mean, if you watch his highlights, he he's a big kid with a big arm. And I remember watching him at Purdue. I mean, yeah, I, I do. I mean, that's been many, but it feels like many years ago now. But no, I, I remember. I remember his freshman year at Purdue. Uh, 
Texture says Jeff Brom's passing offense, with Jeff Brom's passing offense, would Tyler Harrell consider coming back to Louisville? He's already decided, right? Say so what? I thought he already decided. What do you mean? Harrell, didn't he already declare for the draft? Is he leaving Bama? Oh, Ty, no, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of the, the guy. Thinking of Hudson. Who, yeah, they replaced him. I'm Tyler part, Hudson my is, is, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Tyler Harrell, I believe, I mean, this was his second year of eligibility. I can't imagine that we're... Do you think him and Jordan Watkins are kind of regretting it now with, with what with what didn't achieve this season in their transfers and now seeing Brom coming here and going, maybe we just stuck it out one more year, we'd be... Watkins maybe, because I think he... He's voiced his support for Jeff Baum on Twitter and said, like, now you guys got a real coach, all yeah. this stuff. Harrell, I think, it's hard to say without knowing what he got to go to Alabama because True. I assume it was something that was an enviable situation for and him. And just to go because down there. he didn't play now doesn't mean he's not going to be playing next year. There or see, I mean, Alabama, you he was hurt for a lot. Yeah. It, it wasn't like they just had a bunch of dudes who were. There was a lot of interest. I follow Michael Casagrande, who covers Alabama football for the. the, the the newspaper of note down there. He's from Louisville. He's a, he's a good guy. But he, there was always interest from his readers about what's going on with Tyler Harrell. Is he warming up? And he was just, he was hurt for most of the year. And when he, by the time he got healthy, you know, Bama was, as Bama tends to be, kind of a machine. They've got their guys already in place. Oh, yeah. I he mean, just, he struggled to get on the field. Well, that's the same thing. I mean, look at Devontae Smith. Won a Heisman there. He's an awesome NFL wide receiver. Wouldn't even, didn't even get really a chance at Alabama until the guys in front of him got injured. Yeah. And then, and then he was able. Uh, was what is uh, Jamison Williams and who is the other? I forget the other wide receiver now off the top of my head that they got hurt there. But yeah, I mean, he would. He that's how he got his own shot. This guy I, won a Heisman. Yeah, I've got no inside information, but I, I would assume Tyler Harrell is probably going to be sticking around at Alabama. I would think so. Uh, Jordan Watkins, I assume, is going to be sticking around at Ole Miss. But look, there's a little bit. There's a rift between. The aspirations, guys, in UK now. It seems like Chris Vaughn mm-hmm. now doesn't like. Maybe he's back in the fold. Jeff Brom's going to bridge that gap. Maybe yeah, some, yeah. some of these kids that we've been losing to not just Kentucky but to other schools just because Chris Vaughn, for whatever reason, did not like U of L under Scott Satterfield or Bobby Petrino. Maybe we can get back into that. Uh, Who did we pick crisis. yesterday? Did I pick Kansas or Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl? I don't even. I don't even think we picked the game. I know we, we both picked Oregon. Oh, that's what it was. It was Oregon and I picked Te- Texas Tech one, didn't they? Texas Tech yeah. one. I fell asleep during that game. I turned it off, and it was oh, Ole Miss had scored late, and but it was still like a 21 game, and I was like, I'm turning this off. I'm done. Texture says. Um, Who won the Oregon game? Oregon won by a point. Did it? Oh wow. Okay. I thought they were going to win by 14. I think you and you and Patrick both nailed it and saying mm-hmm. Oregon wins but doesn't cover. Yeah. So it was an entertaining game from what I saw. Texture says, is there something wrong with Trevor's mic? Uh, no, my mic is fine. There's something wrong with me. Texture says, what's wrong with Trevor today? Well, I mean, what's, is there something wrong with me? Texture says, Mike <laughs> says, I eat this, I swallow. <laughs> I heard it. I chose to ignore it. I chose not to give it more attention than it deserved. I knew the atten- the text line would. <sighs> Texture says, Plummer had 126 yards rushing last year. How many times was this man sacked? 31, I believe, is the official number. I mean, if he had 136 yards rushing on 31 sacks, he could have had 500 yards rushing. <laughs> really good. I mean, because that's the thing that sucks about it in college is that when you get you lose the yards for sacks. So, I mean, 31 sacks, you'd say on average three yards loss a sack. I mean, that's... It's a lot, yeah. That's, that's three times 30. That's 120. Three times 30? Yeah. Three times 30 is 90. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I was doing four. Four times, four times 30 is 120, right? Math on the Mike Rutherford show <laughs> continuing to be an issue. By the way, uh, Louisville Football officially announced today that you know, they're doing, again, 
I, I appreciate them doing this. They're doing the slow rollout of information that we already knew, which is great because I would love to have anything that can distract me from basketball right now. But Ryan Wallace was officially announced as Louisville's new tight ends coach today. Uh, he does come to Louisville from Purdue. His dad is he the... He on the same day we asked him to play tight end. <laughs> yeah. His dad is the head football coach at St. X. He's previously at Bowling Green. Oh, okay, yeah. One of the more successful high school coaches in this area for the last uh, couple of decades. And Ryan was a guy that... I don't, I don't know if this ever became public, but Scott Satterfield tried to poach him from Purdue last offseason. Tried to go like... Jeff Brom got one of Satterfield's guys. Satterfield tried to return the favor, tried to get Ryan Wallace. Wallace said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, he has a reputation for being a very good recruiter. He's also coached a number of tight ends that now are in the NFL. Uh, Mitchell Henry, Tyler Higby, who went off for the Rams last week. Mm-hmm. They were products of, of Ryan Wallace from his time at Purdue. He's got a good track record of developing kids and also a good track record Who's of got, having a good reputation on the recruiting trail. As much as important in the recruiting trail in general, but it's also locally here. So, I mean, got to keep getting those local ties. For sure. Uh, so, very happy to have him here. And, again, his dad, Kevin, is the fourth winningest coach in Kentucky High School history. He has 346 victories from his time at Warren East, Bowling Green, and now St. X, where he's turned them back Wagner, into a state Wagner's biggest program. win in, in program history was against him at Bowling Green. Well, way to kind of crap on the hire there, Trevor. <laughs> we're tr- no, we're Ken- trying to say good things. Is this Ken Wallace? Hey, I told you the story about when we met Ken Wallace on KSR, KRC. No. And uh, we just, uh, Nick and them start telling stories about, like, you know, the, 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 the best part of their high school days. And Kevin's sitting next to me ready to come on the show. And then, like, the best and kind of worst, or best and worst memories of your high school playing days. And I said, like, well, best for me would be. You know, Cortez Reese catching a slant on the 50-yard line, breaking it up the middle, and we beat Bowling Green to go on to lose to Highlands. <laughs> and then Kevin Walsh goes around and goes, my worst memory, Cortez Reese catching the ball to 50, <laughs> breaking free, and all of a sudden losing. Because that Bowling Green team, he, 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 he holds it up, saying, we could have we beat that Highlands team. That's very We funny. were that good. It was a rainy, cold, nasty day. Wagner was able to keep the score low. And I want to say it was like 13-7 was the final or something. But, uh, and of course, Highlands beat Wagner 56-7 to the next game. C was angry that day, my friends. Yeah. When you lose 56-7 to and Lorenzen has three pass attempts, it's not a good sign. Uh, Texas, no, Plummer had negative 126 yards rushing last season. Oh, that's worse than <laughs> that's worse than 126 yards. That's what makes more sense for somebody. Hey, that makes my math so have been four yards lost at times 30 sacks, so that'd be four. I, yeah. About there you go. Yeah. Now, 31 sacks. Hey, my math is not that bad. It's not terrible. What's four times five? Say it again. I was What's four times five? Twenty. Ten times three? Thirty. Eleven times six? Sixty-six. Look at you. Math whiz. I was just thought you were going to say, like, uh, give me something where I had to say 69, but maybe. No, we got, <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you or me. No, you, you told me basic basic math, I'm okay. It's when you start doing the divides and fractions, that's when you lose me. I, I was good at, at basic math until, like, fifth grade when they started working in the letters and stuff. Like the oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, no this is – letters are for different – that's English class. I actually came I'm in out. I came in second in one of the, uh, like, the math contests. You get on stage, you do, the like, the spelling bee version of the math. You do, like, the, the, the flashcards? Uh, well, you're going to say just ask you a problem and you have to answer it right oh. like you just did to me right there. But now, granted, I did that in fourth grade when it was just all addition, subtraction, and multiplication. We both peaked in math at about 10. Yeah, when you get, when you get, you said when you get to that part where you start adding other stuff to it, it's like, 
Yeah, that's not half. I'll never forget my uh, freshman year in pre-algebra. I took pre-algebra my freshman year because I didn't pass it in my seventh and eighth grade years. <laughs> so I had to take it my freshman year in high school. I was trying to do the math in my head. I was like, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like pre-algebra. When did I, I never forget the story. Mr. Mr. Love, God, God love him. You know, I, I get an A in this class, and so my sophomore year I take it algebra. I'm failing. I mean, I'm flunking bad. And Mr. Love just looks at me and goes, Trevor, you were my best students last year. Why, why can't you grasp it? And I said. Mr. Love was my third year taking it. I was like, by my senior year, I'll be acing this crap. Uh, I mean. Like my Spanish teacher asked me, man, well, how can you not grasp Spanish? It's so easy. I said, Miss Ross, I'm failing English. What do you want? You needed to. Gosh. Who was the, uh, who was the UK guard? Eric Bledsoe. You need to get on that algebra plan. Where you're, oh, yeah. We took somehow algebra acing algebra two before you take algebra one. Man, I was yeah. When you said pre-algebra, I'm like, wasn't that like freshman year? Yeah, yeah. No, I failed in seventh and eighth grade year, so like you got to take it eighth in your freshman year. I'm like, third time's a charm, baby. The best thing about Trinity, and I don't know if this is still the case, like even being in the 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 AP track, you didn't have to take math senior year if you didn't want to. Now, like, oh, like, like, like every other AP kid did. They're like, you know, I'm gonna get ready for college. Like this is college credit. I'm taking your know, algebra three. I'm taking advanced geometry. I'm taking. And I was like, no. I was, like, I was like, I'm not doing it. You tell me I don't have to take this. I'm going to make senior year as eligible as easy as possible. I'm they, not taking math. They made me at Western take – I had to take two zero-level classes my freshman year, which sucks because you're not getting credit for them. And one of them was math. Oof. And I just never forget, I was sitting in there, and the first day they're going over addition and subtraction. And I'm like – I feel like Peter when they made him wear the water wings and helmet. And I'm like, like seriously? And I look over and I forget this woman just taking notes furiously. I'm like, ma'am, you have wasted your money here. I'm just telling you this right now. The best, the, the best college, like, awful class story, and this is why I do the show with you. I do the podcast with Danny. You guys are kindred spirits in, in a lot of respects. But, Danny, there was a special... English class, like you had to take English 101 if you didn't have like credit from high school to, to get out of it. Yeah, well, they made me take English zero level, unfortunately. And so, so Danny failed the first semester <laughs> of English 101. And so if you failed, like the, all the kids that failed it had to take it again second semester, which wound up being a class of, I think, six people from the entire freshman <laughs> body of And one time Danny fell asleep in that class of six people. In class. He's, like, he's, like, it's, he's like, they notice when you fall asleep, there's only four other people sitting around <laughs> yeah. you. I was like, that's that's amazing. Uh, Texas says, let's settle this now. TK ate some salad, not a salad, which is what he agreed to. A salad means the entire thing. You're courting bad karma for football right now, TK. Oh, I mean, uh, you're uh, tomato, tomato. Neither one is going on my salad. Uh, you can eat. To say you have you eat a salad, you didn't mean you. I never. That doesn't specify the whole thing. I disagree. If you said last night I ate a pizza. I would assume you ate the entire pizza. I wouldn't assume you ate like a slice and a half. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that yeah, it does. Now I kind of want pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Trevor sounds fine today. People are lying. Yeah, thank you, Texer. Texas, a great New Year's resolution for the Big X would be to update the station's website. The most recent thing on there is the press release of the debut uh, of your radio show. I'll be honest with you, I'm amazed that's on there. Every time I look at it, because I do, I go there to get the link for, to put it on the website when I'm linking the show, like you can stream it here. All I can think of is the the episode of The Office where Ryan tries to launch the new website, and just like, <laughs> I actually think our old website's just fine, and it's like, it's like coming soon in 2004, it's like, yeah, it's, it's TBA, <laughs> it's like, coming soon, 2004, it's all I can think of every time I go. Uh, that's, I, I think like, it's kind of, 
I had to look at it because I, I, I was, here's the problem is I would love to be able to, I don't have access to it. I've never had access to it in 10 years I've been with the station. I don't know who has like the passwords to it, but like if you go on there, like it has like like bios of like people who haven't been here for like eight years. I believe it. <laughs> Texture says, uh, basic math, I'm okay. Quote from Trevor. And then he says he thinks that 3 times 31 is 120. I think he said 3 times 30. Uh, said, well, well, said, he said 3 times 30 is, is 120, which also well, is not, I, yeah, you not th- yeah, I goofed up a little bit. <laughs> Subconsciously, what it was was in my mind, I knew it should have been 4 because of that's how the math really worked out. You were in the ballpark. I was in the area. Texture says a salad means one salad. Well, it depends. Maybe the... Maybe the problem is in how much I ate is how big a salad I ordered. Texas says, have you rigged the vote for Bring Brom Home Guy to win the person? No, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't checked the You've voting. never rigged a vote anyway, do you? I wouldn't know how. <laughs> um, Bring Brom Home Guy is winning the current card cross yes. person of the year. He's got 412 votes. The volleyball team is in second with 341. I'm the, voting for him. I mean, the commenters are furious about this. I'm just now seeing this. Um the, the fellow finalists, for anybody wondering, Yasir Abdullah, John Cunningham, the Cincinnati Athletic Director, <laughs> and Dion Branch were the uh, the five finalists. Um, I love how you have to remind people when you say John Cunningham, even with me, like you got to get us about to say who he is, because otherwise everybody's going to be like, who? Well, I listed like the, the, the five finalists and then like had their accomplishments underneath them. And with John Cunningham, the first thing I was like, Cincinnati Athletic Director. So like, if, you didn't know, like, if you didn't know, you'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he I'm, yeah. person of the year? Uh, before we take a break here, reminding you guys again, if you have heating problems this winter, it's warmer now. It'll get cold again before it gets fully warm. You know how Louisville works. It's going to be 61 week. It'll be back to like negative 15 two weeks from now. If you have heating problems when that happens, there's only one place to call. It's our guys over at AirServe. AirServe, only place here locally that has technicians available to serve you 24-7. If your heat goes off at 2 a.m., you got small kids, maybe some pets, they can't make it through the night without having that heat come back on, you can call 502-264-9662 at any hour, and someone's going to be available to take your call, and a technician can come out to your house and fix your problem. Whether it's too hot, too cold, too dry, or too polluted, AirServe is going to make sure you're comfortable and breathing the highest quality air. Visit them online at airserve.com slash Louisville, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com slash Louisville. Or, again, you can call them directly at 502-264-9662. We'll take a break. 5 o'clock hour is up next. Keep it locked right here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on the Big X. Hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. We are here at Oxmoor Ford off Shelbyville Road in the heart of St. Matthew. Stop by and see us. Holiday deals still going on here at Oxmoor Ford. The best deals of the year if you want to save money on any Ford car. Come out. You can save up to 20% right now until January 3rd. So stop by Oxmoor Ford this weekend. And if you're coming next hour and you mention a Big X, you can smack me across the face. That's, that is a deal. That's, uh, that we, we, I'll take it. We've put that out there. Nobody has stepped up to the plate yet. Ever, we have an hour left of the show. You ever been smacked across the face? Yes. Like a slap bet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've won and lost slap bets before. 
I've no. My fa- my favorite bet was the U of O U K game. Uh, it was the Chichester bat turnaround shot year. Oh yeah, for sure. Where, uh, me and my buddy uh, Jasper eat it. Yeah, exactly. Me and my buddy had a bet, and the loser had to take a Ric Flair chop to the chest. Good lord. And then I, I just want to say right now that how long ago was that? What year was that? I want to say that was two thousand four. Two thousand. So we're almost twenty years removed. And no, it had to be later than that because Chad Chester played football through 2009. It was the, it was Gillespie years, one of those games. It was 07 or 08. So we're, we're, we're give or take 15 years removed from that. And to this day, Paco still hasn't taken his Ric Flair chop from me. Paco. Come on, Ruben. What do you want? At the time, he was like, you're too drunk. You're going you're gonna to put a hole in my chest. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Now take your shirt off. And yeah, so I made the bet for a reason. <laughs> <clears throat> do you miss? So... This week, the theme, and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the show, we're less than 48 hours away from the Battle for the Bluegrass, a little bit of Kentucky basketball. For the past, like, I know there have been some down years recently because Louisville's been a little bit down. Kentucky was, was certainly down two years ago. Reminder, Louisville has not lost this game in the coronavirus era. Since, since COVID became a thing, we've not lost to UK. That's right. That's how long it's been. But when Patino and Calipari were here, there was just such a like, like the storylines leading up to the game were so vast. You had they were almost always both ranked in the top 15. They were off to great starts. They both had national title aspirations. You've got Patino taking shots at Calipari in the media. You got Calipari taking shots back in the media. You got the fan bases at their throats. You got the dialysis center fight in 2012. You got like all this stuff happening. So and, classic. And this week it's been just like Louisville fans being. I think resigned to the fact that this is a historically bad season and they're, they're going to lose this game to Kentucky fans hating their team, being ready for Calipari to leave and like thinking they're not going to beat Louisville by enough. It's just like the two, it's the saddest collective the fan bases have ever been going into this game. Like the, the closest thing we've had to a controversy was that KY engineering guy putting the video of himself shooting at the Caber Center and throwing L's down on Twitter today. And people were like, how is Kenny Payne letting this guy into the building? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, this is, he's like, this is an old video. This is when Chris Mack was the coach. Uh, like that's the closest, yeah, thing, Chris. That's the closest <laughs> thing we've had to a controversy this week. Besides that, it's like Louisville fans being like, yeah, you're going to beat us. And UK fans being like, yeah, but not by enough. And, like, it, that, like that's it. it. It's just, it's a sad state guess, of affairs. So, right is the question in short, I guess, when's the last time we've been this kind of, I guess, enthusiastic on both sides of the, like, of the rivalry? Neither side ha- feels like they have mojo right Because there's been years where, like, one's down and one's up and vice right. versa and yada yada, some both up. Yeah, but when's that? There's just, like, Man. There's, there's no smack talk to be had because, like, Louisville fans... Like, I feel like even if a Louisville fan says, and you said you're kind of, you know, you're, get, you're getting more excited for the game as it gets here. Like, even if you're a Louisville fan who's like, you know what, we're going to shock the world, we're going to beat you on Saturday. You got UK fans who are like, probably not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, like, like this guy sucks now. Like, it's just both sides are so unhappy. I mean, it's take, never been like this before. I mean, for a record, taking a grain of salt, I was excited to watch the Maui tournament, too. So, I mean, it's... You were. It's so, great. So, yeah. So, just because excitement doesn't mean anything out of it, trust me. Uh, it, could, it could be bad. I mean, that's got. I mean, that's. that's a, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think back in my mind, like, when would be kind of both team because the Gillespie two years Louisville was at a peak. We're good. We're really good. And, uh, and it, it should be said, like, the, even the Gillespie two years, he made the NCAA tournament, was SEC Coach of the Year. Yeah. Won, the second, and they were bad, but not like they were still NIT good in year two. Yeah, and, and Louisville, but Louisville was obviously, I mean, elite eight level at that point, and and, and had, as you said, aspirations of winning a national title. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
cutting, maybe like even even first year Patino. Was it going out or something? It just keeps going out. Your uh, bike keeps going out. First year Patino, I mean, whether Louisville was down or not, you have just the excitement of having Patino and, and where we were at that point early on. And Kentucky was, was I mean, had a pretty good team in 01, if I remember right. That was, even though they got beat in the tournament in the second round of UAB. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, good Lord. I, I don't, I don't know, 87? Do you have to go all the way back? I mean, seriously, Louisville, Louisville's having a down year. They don't make the end up not even making the tournament. putting it nicely. We've never been in this position before where it's been this bad. And UK, I think, like, they're clearly, like, their concerns are different than our concerns. They're talking about, we thought, we, you know, that we were preseason number two. We thought we were national title good. We still may end up being that, that way. But right now, it doesn't look like we're going to win a national championship. That's the expectation here. But I, like, I don't think any UK fans are... Even though it's being talked about, they're not seriously, at least yet, upset about potentially missing the NCAA tournament. Whereas we're like, we could win out, and I'm not sure we're going to make the NCAA tournament unless we win the ACC tournament. If you're a Kentucky fan and you think you're not going to make the NCAA tournament, you're then you're just one of those guys that you think you suck at everything. And you're, you're like, oh, we're going to get beat. We're going to lose. I get like the because like the bracketologies, there are a couple of them that don't have UK in because they're. Their net ranking, and they don't have any really any quality wins. But yeah, they're one and four versus top twenty-five they're teams. Going to get, they're going to get. They're not going to miss the NCAA tournament yeah. this year. If they do, then like they're probably going to fire Calipari. But that's not. It shouldn't be a legitimate concern at this point in the season. Now, if you lose on Saturday, then you can start talking about it. But like we are, our problems are different than their problems. Let's, let's just say it, yes. it's like the, you know, it's like Elon Musk having some trouble with Twitter, and like, you know, y- 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 like you. I don't know, having some whatever the worst thing that's happened to you in the last two. Oh years. no, no, this is a pure example Different of like problems. first world. Like Kentucky's having first world problems. Like, oh, my internet's moving slowly, right? Or the the the, 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 the seat warmer in my car is is malfunctioning. Louisville, on the other hand, is on the street corner begging for scraps. Yeah, we're right sleeping now. under overpasses. We're sleeping in overpasses. We're, we're begging for food. We're you know that's where we're at. Okay, Com- two completely different worlds. Yeah, it's so. We're upset for different reasons. And like I said, I think Louisville fans, at least as far as this season is concerned, if you're talking about the sports stages of grief, Louisville fans are kind of at the acceptance level. Like, they're they're certainly not there for the whole Kenny Payne era. That's still up for debate. But for this season, I mean, I, I don't see anybody predicting Louisville turning this around and making the NCAA tournament or doing it. Like, we all know where we are. With UK fans, they're more in the anger stage. They know they should be better. That they, they think that they were, they thought they were going to be better. They probably should be better. They definitely should be better. And they're sitting here. I think they're a little bit concerned that it's not going to get enough better to where they're going to be making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, when it comes to Louisville, I don't know if you're the same place. I mean, I'm not completely there on, a, on a every every play basis, but I mean, I'm kind of more at the point where, like, early in the season, you see the mistakes, you get frustrated, you yell at the TV. Now it's like, and maybe Texas Tech did this to me, or Arkansas or Cincinnati, the Maui in general. But like now, at some points, when I see see these things, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't yell or scream. I just kind of almost laugh and cry and, and more. I'm just like I'm, well, uh, it's what I expected, you know. Just yeah, here we go again. I mean, there's no reason to, to blow a blow a top and and, and scream TV because it's not going to make a difference at this point. It, not it, it ever does. It really drove the point home, like when I was getting ready for the NC State game last week, a week ago today, like, usually when I would be leaving the radio station for a road game against a good conference opponent, like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to, to Paul, I'm getting it fired up, I'm getting, I got you know, all the, the nervous energy flowing, like, <laughs> and like, you just, like, now the games start, and I'm watching, I'm sitting there, and there's just, like, 
nothing. Like, if I have to walk away for a play, like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I just... Well, I still pause it, but yeah. There's nothing. I mean, I, I do too, but, like, if something happened, like, if I had to miss a chunk of the game, like, now, it's not like I'm, like, living and dying with every single dribble and my emotions are fluctuating. And you just kind of, like, I'm watching, I'm cheering, I'm hoping that we win, but you realize there's nothing really substantive, at least as far as, like, this season is concerned, to be gained or lost no, yeah, you're in any right. of these games. Let's just taking, for example, it started seven. I usually would run home, get ready to watch the game. I ran home, had set the recorder, and then ran out ran errands. Yeah. And, and I was never, like, I'll watch it when I get home. Like, none of us have ever been in that situation as a fan this early in a season. Like, oh, God, no. again, like, last year we started 10-4. and four. Like, there was still hope at this point in the season that we were going to be not just an NCAA tournament team, but a team that could make some noise. Like, we were we – were, we certainly were not playing as well as we thought we were going to be, but we thought, you know, we can make some noise. We, we can make a run. The ACC's not that great. We can get hot, and then you, the wheels fell off, and they fell off completely. I mean, I saw my tweet from last night. I found it last night where I'm like, from February of last oh, year, seven lie, where yeah. I'm like, let us never experience another seven-game losing streak in the rest of our lives. Like, little did I know we're going to lose the first nine games of the next season. It's just, it's all. I was going through your timeline, and I was like, what's ever put a Trump? What is it could it be? I got worse. <laughs> I, I got worse. Like it just it fit perfectly with that. I happened to see both those things at the same time. It was just like it, so we've never gone into this game no. with this little faith in the the rest of the season. And UK fans are just like they're almost there is a segment of that fan base, and I saw it a little bit last night. I know they're saying this in the the hours immediately following a, a tough loss to Missouri, but there are fans who are like, I hope we lose to Louisville now, because then it just means we're going to get rid of him. Like, we need the most embarrassing thing possible. I'm like, okay. You don't really hope that, 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 but you're saying it, which just shows how frustrated you are. And so I would even throw in a little slight ignorance as well. Uh, but hey, it's, it's bliss out here. That leads me to the question I kind of asked you in the first hour, but we didn't get. Where, where are you on Cal? Like, are you. Because uh, are you Matt Jones? Are you KSR? Or are you KRC? Because I, I, without listening, I What's was. What's the difference? I think Matt's. We need to change KSR as a, as a well, change. Of need. I don't like him anymore. True, but but I think TJ for the most part understands that you know what it's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, and Cal is while maybe this isn't the brightest part of the of the day for Cal's tenure, it's not that you can't turn this around, and this can't be turned around in the blink of an eye, for that matter. And Cal is still a solid coach, whether you believe that or not. I mean, nonetheless, so where, where, where does Rutherford stand? Like, do you do you think if you're Kentucky, it's legitimate reasoning to get rid of Cal for this year, depending on how it finishes? I don't. No way it's going to finish as bad as Louisville, obviously. I don't. Having said that, I do think there's been mounting evidence, and this is not the first time I've said this on this show or prior shows, that he's kind of on the downslide and that his his stubbornness is – having a negative impact on Kentucky's ability to make the types of runs that they were making during the first half of his tenure there. Mm -hmm. I think his offense is a little bit outdated. I think he did lose it a little bit on the recruiting front. I think that... Maybe not just him losing it, but the the recruiting front has changed so much in the last couple years with the way things have I was just about to say, I think you saw multiple people pointing out last night that like with NIL changing the game, programs like Kentucky may start to struggle a little bit more that that gap that they have between themselves and Duke and everybody else has been bridged to a, to an extent. I think the interesting thing with Calipari right now, you ready for your second Calipari-Satterfield comparison of the day? Oh, no. He's got this recruiting class waiting in the wings. Yeah. And that does change. Doesn't he always, though? Not like this, though. Okay. <laughs> like, he's he's not had the class 
in a long time. Like he's lost out on the guy in recent years. They've been down there like they're a couple times. You know, they're always they've been behind Duke a lot of times. They've yeah. been behind a couple of other teams recently, and now you've got the number one class. You you've got four or five star kids. You've got like the guy for most of his recruitment, DJ Wagner. You've got the, the Livingston kid. You've got Bradshaw. Like you've got an old school John Calipari class that can come in and theoretically make you national title good right off the bat. And I think that, like, let's say the season plays out and they're, I don't know, they're a four seed, they lose in the second round. Okay. That's clearly not up to their standards. No, it's not what they've been it. doing. But I don't think that you can fire him because, it, you know, he was a four seed this year and a two seed the year before, but didn't have as much NCAA tournament success as you're used to. I think you have to wait and see what he does now that he's getting back to, maybe it just becomes a one-off, but maybe it becomes back to being a trend, recruiting at the highest level possible. Because that's, when he was getting these types of classes from 2010 through 2015, he was producing some of the best teams in the country. And now that he's back doing it, I think you have to give him a chance and see what he does. Having said that, like, do I think that, we're dealing with a Dabo situation where <laughs> the best days are behind him. I, I kind of do. And that's not just a rivalry thing. I think that he's slipped a little bit in recent years. And I think that the slip is going to continue. And I also think that the, like that divide between himself and the fan base is not a small thing. When you feel like you're on the same page, when you feel like you're God and you can do whatever you want, and these guys are going to worship you, that'll, that gives you the freedom to say and do things and not have any stress in your life. Like, he took full advantage of the leeway that was given to him when they won the national title in 2012, and he got away with saying things like, we're not a program that is a traditional program. Like, of course you are. The fan base, all they care about is tradition. He got away with saying, like, I'm not concerned about national titles. I'm concerned about getting these players to the draft. Like, yeah, of course you are. Course. Fans knew that was, that was... They did, but they didn't care that he said it because he just won the national title. So yeah. if you're winning national titles and going to Final Fours, you can say whatever you want. I mean... When you haven't been to one or won one in over a decade and you're just trying to say these types of the same things, you can't get away with it anymore. I mean, it's like, hey, his first year there when he went on the draft says it's the greatest moment in Kentucky basketball history. Exactly. Those... I, mean, yeah, I mean, I think the fans, I thought it that point if they didn't know by then and that's his first year so probably not but by by 2012 most of what he's saying is to recruits and just 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 basically just trying to sell recruits and then not worried about you know what but it doesn't worth. play anymore i, I mean, mean we're dealing with the same thing here where what kenny kenny payne's philosophy of love him up and i get the down we're not going to use nil it works if you're winning if you're not nobody's falling for it i just i don't know and this is maybe a, a, an unfair comparison a little bit but i like I, part of me, I, I listen. I enjoyed. I wanted to run Cal out because I, I think Cal is still a good coach, and I'd love to see him get rid of Cal and then screw that up and hire some mistake and and fall behind us. That that is what I'm, my fingers were crossed for. Don't get me wrong, but I just I think back to like with with Patino and Louisville early on, with the frustration you heard in Louisville fans, you know, in his early tenure because he hadn't gotten that title yet, and we're in year six and we got one Final Four and. You know, where are we at? We're supposed to have multiple championships, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, while the end game didn't end, the movie didn't end the best with this situation, the best was yet to come still with Patino, as you saw. For sure. With with the, uh, you know, 08 run, 09, and then 12, and 13, and, and so on. So, I don't know, I just, uh, there's going to be down times. And I know they've been down right now, for, more recently in the last couple of years with the loss to St. Peter's last year, and then, which did, the team was banged up a lot, and then you know, obviously the the nine win season. But to me, I just I feel like it's 
you're 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 playing for the now instead of looking at the big picture when you're when you're wanting to run Calipari out on a rail right now. Well, the now. question always becomes when you're having these talks because the simple thing to say is it's not good enough and it needs to change, and, and that's I think true if you're a UK fan. The the more complicated part is who do you bring in immediately that's better? Who's out there that you know? And, I, and look, I'm not saying Kentucky's not an attractive job, but who? Billy you know? <laughs> Who's out there right now that you guarantee can do a better job than Calipari at what he's doing? I mean, in a one-year time, in one-year span, maybe there's a bunch. The problem is, is can they do it for two years, like three years, four years? I mean, that's. But who do you say? Like, give me a name. I mean, you could bring in. Uh, I don't know. Judge. I don't know. Off top of my head, off the key, somebody. That's I'm what I'm saying. I mean. You have to be able to answer that question if you're saying. Well, I'll tell you what. Say, say, and this isn't the first time they took a coach from Arkansas. Any sudden, that worked out. Uh, but they, they take take Musselman out of him. He comes in in year one, explodes, has a great year, but takes a step back in year two. I mean, you can, you can have the newness of the new coach is going to wear off eventually at some point. I and mean, he's also not. I mean, Billy to, Gillespie was, to a final four. Billy Gillespie came in in the first year and won SC Coach of the Year. As you just mentioned. He did. He also still, it was not good enough. By Kentucky standards. No, he was an eight seed, but I mean, but still, he he came in and had a solid first year. But my point is, if you think that Cal's not getting it done at the level that Kentucky should be getting it done, which is an understandable stance to have, who can you bring in that's definitely going to be better? And but, but other, because other, Bill Soft's not coming. But other than the, than the nine-win season, when is he? I mean. Sometimes just things don't go your way in a tournament. I mean, if you go into a tournament as a two seed, that's still relatively a successful record. You're obviously having a successful year because you're going in a tournament with a team that is considered a national championship contender. Which is what I said. Which I'm, you know, but again, like we're making the same point. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I wouldn't get rid of him. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying we're operating under the hypothetical. If you go back to where we started this conversation yeah. of them being a four seed that loses in the second round this year, you would have then gone three straight years four if you want to count the COVID year, without making it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Like, that's not the That's what I really want to know was what you would do, what Rutherford would do. And, I, and my answer yeah. was I would not get rid of him. And neither, nor would I. But, unless, but Well, I would just because you have a fan, I'd want him gone. But that's no here or there. But I think you can also recognize that I think you give him the benefit of the doubt because he's earned it. But you also have to acknowledge that it has not been going the way that it should be in recent years, and there's a chance that the dude's just washed up. Do you think it's fair for someone like uh, on the people like Matt Jones' side that are just pouring gasoline under the fire of that uh, of that underachievement? You think it's fair to Cal? I mean, I don't think it's fair or unfair. Like, who cares? Like, they're, they're doing their job. They're they're giving their their viewpoint. Well, no, it's just their opinion. But I mean, it's, it's, sometimes you could say you know maybe pull back the reins a little bit, possibly. But, I mean, if you if you think that like Matt Jones has a I say this. He's not doing it because someone's going to go like Willie Trevor, Brian Brown. I exactly. Mean, I mean, if you're saying, no, I guess it's a touche. If you're saying that you know, Jones is just saying these things because he has a bone to pick, because Cal, for whatever reason, doesn't like him anymore, doesn't give him access anymore, then that's one conversation. But if he genuinely thinks that whatever he's saying is is accurate, then that's that's his point. Yeah. I mean, we we've had the same talks when it comes to Kenny Payne and stuff. Like, yeah. I think there's a difference. I mean, we but we've had reason to pour more gas in the Kenny Payne fire, and we've been trying. I think. I think that's a safe statement. I think we. I've tried to, to keep it, you know, not to use the backdraft reference, but I've tried to keep it contained. I've tried to contain the beast. Why the backdraft references? This well, hey, it's a two and a half hour movie. A lot of references to have. Uh, Only so much William Baldwin you can watch. Good lord. I <laughs> 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 did. We really need to see where Rebecca Domey on the top of the the the, the, the fire engine making out. I mean, we could have cut that out. That was 15 minutes right there. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> 
uh, you should watch Night Trap. Maybe I will. <laughs> By the way, Purdue is playing Florida A&M right now. Remember those guys? Uh, 19, to, <laughs> 19 to 8 is the lead that the Boilermakers have. The number one team in the country taking on the Rattlers, who are 2 and 8, um, playing good. the world's toughest schedule like they typically do. They do, man. They, wow. They, they do. Uh, Give them credit. Let, let me ask you. You're asking me questions. Let me ask you one. Okay. So you said at the beginning of the show, and we didn't really dive into it, you're feeling more, you're starting to get excited about this rivalry game, which I think is a minority stance on either side. I think excited is not a word that's being tossed around a lot. I think excited is a better word than confident, yes. Is it just, well, that was where I was going. Okay. Is it just because, hey, like, this is the Louisville-Kentucky game, for God's yeah. sake. I'm always going to be excited for it. There's always a chance. Or is it because you've seen Kentucky play more and you, you think this game is more winnable? Where, where does this excitement What's the root of it? It's the, 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 the I guess it'd be the former than the latter right there for you. It, it, it is the fact that the game is around the corner, and it, it, I still love this rivalry game as much as anything. I mean, and I just, I, I just excite to watch us play Kentucky. Like, I, I want to, now, do I feel like our chances have improved because the way Kentucky, I watched the way Kentucky played against Missouri or, Somehow, maybe I thought Louisville had the best loss of their season against NC State. They did. Not really. I mean, my confidence level is not really any higher unless I do. I get to be. But the the, the excitement of the game itself has is, is gotten higher. And like just, just to know it's around the corner and looking at my chops and just having a chance to play it. Now, by halftime, that excitement might be completely washed out. By five minutes into the game, that excitement may be completely gone. But until then, the excitement is growing. I've always said, growing up around here and being a diehard fan of UK or UofL, there's only a handful of days, maybe four or five a year, where you wake up and things just feel different. Like, Christmas is definitely one. Yeah. You know, Christmas Eve, I think, can be one. And regardless of how you feel about the other holidays, the day of the Louisville men's basketball game against UK is, is definitely another yeah. one. You wake up, the air just feels different, there's an excitement, and... I'm sure that when I wake up on Saturday morning, I'll have some of that, but it's not going to, it's not going to feel like it has in the past, where like the night before, like I can't sleep, like I'm just so nervous and excited and all this stuff happening, because it's just, I mean, we all know where we are, we, we all know the situation, we all know, I mean, Kentucky fans know where they are, and if you're a UK fan, it's a very much to lose, not that much to gain situation, if you, I mean, beating Louisville by less than 10 would be one of John Calipari's biggest losses to Louisville, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because, like, nobody's going to be happy about that if it happens. And, he, like, the, the, the pressure that's on him, the disrest amongst the fan base, maybe his own disrest and dissatisfaction with his team only grows in that situation, even though you've won the game. And if you're Louisville and you play Kentucky to, like, eight points or whatever, like, cool, we're showing signs of progress, we're still 2-12, and 12, and this season I mean, is going nowhere. They, they weren't as bad as we are now, but, I mean, you look back to the 13th season where Lowell has to kind of scrape past that Kentucky yeah, team. Over that yeah, and then and when I, when, when, would go on to win the national title. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it happens. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, the excitement of the game, I mean, you, you really nailed it because, like, over the years, like, like, I can't steal, like, a line from kind of, like, Forrest Gump. Like, I don't remember my first outdoor picnic. You know, I don't remember, I don't remember, like, she me details of losing my virginity. I don't remember my first day of school. Don't? I remember where. I, I try to block out who, 
She's kind of a big girl, man. You, you'd want to forget okay. some things, too. <laughs> oh, hey, all counts in, in, in love and war, right? But the point is, is I do remember, like, throughout even my childhood, I remember, like, the gay, Louisville UK games. And not only that, yeah. like, where I was. Like, yeah, I, remember, I remember sitting in the den in 93 watching uh, Mashburn put what Roger on skates at the top of the key, and we lost by 20. You know, a lot of them are bad memories from the 90s, don't get me wrong. But, and 2000s. Yeah, I remember, I remember, I'll never forget being in Ohio, New Year's Day, 1994. Smocky, or 96, excuse me, Smocky Walker putting on a triple-double, right, the night after Nebraska just won the national title against Miami. Uh, you know, just, just little moments like that. I, the 98, sitting out on the floor of my grandmother's living room watching the game as we upset them, you know, in Rupp Arena. Uh, being at Hooters, watching Reese Games and, and, and Crumb's last game and so on and so forth. Being at my buddy Say's, watching the game with Chichester does a turnaround. I, I, remember, I, I can remember those things. Now, ask me what I watched on movies last night, Shorter Turner and Hooch. I can't remember, really. But <laughs> I, I do remember... Uh, not every not every year, but the majority of those specific games from about 89, 90 on up until today, I, I can just tell you where I was and can remember the moments in the game. I, mean, I think most fans on both sides can, can do the same. Yeah, and that's, like, and that's, just, that's what makes this game just so special. You, you always feel like you've got so much to gain and so much to lose. Mm-hmm. And here's hoping we get back to that that feeling. Like I, I, I've said it before. Like, I remember sitting inside the Yum Center before the game in 2014. It was the undefeated UK team, the team that would go on to be undefeated. And we were, at that point, I think number five. And it was the first time that we'd ever played a regular season game against them where both teams were in the top five. And you're in that building, and, like, I was there early. We had good seeds. It was, like, 30, like 45 minutes before tip. And there's just this – there's nothing like that energy. It's just it's this just mix of, like – Fear and excitement and hatred and just because all the UK fans are in there oh, yeah. and it's just it just swirls and it just kind of envelops you and it just it sits with you to the point where it's almost not fun until you you feel like you're gonna win the game and like I'm I, I miss it like I I miss having those emotions coming into this game because the game you know we played them a couple of years ago and you know, they were terrible like it was the worst UK team of my lifetime and we we're off to a, a good, not great start. And you kind of felt like you have to win this game. It made it more not fun than, than it was fun just to win a nerve-wracking game there in the final. Well, there's no stress on that. I agree. And then, you know, we don't play. We don't play last year. We, we've we got this year's game, which feels just like a just a total outlier in terms of, you know, we're, we've never been this bad. They're unhappy as well. It's just I, I hope for the sake of the rivalry, we, we get back to having all those usual emotions starting next season because this is – it's not as fun this way. I did, did. Have you been to many of the UK games in basketball? I've been to, I've been to two at Rupp Arena. I've been to probably five at home. The very first one I ever went to, actually, because I didn't go to games, many games growing up, the first U of L U came game I ever went to was the Edgar Sosa shot oh, nice. at, at, uh, at Freedom Hall. I was working at the radio station and I had to work the board for something. I can't remember what now. <laughs> I was at the the Josh Harrelson game where he went off, which was terrible. That was the that was the that was the uh, Demarcus Cousins elbow drop game, right? No, the Demarcus Cousins elbow drop was 0910. It was it was Cal's first season. Okay, that was uh, my first game. And that was well, I, I take it back. I went to a game in the 0405 game where we were 0506. We were highly ranked coming off the Final Four, but we hadn't beaten anybody, and they beat the absolute piss out of us. That, that was I was at Rupp Arena with a bunch of my friends. We stand up. They're throwing ice at us during the starting intros, <laughs> and my buddies are like, "Don't turn around. Just keep clapping. Yeah. Just keep clapping." And it got it got out of hand pretty badly. But uh, I was at the Final Four game in 2012. I did, okay, I did go to that. Yeah, I almost forgot. Yeah, I was I've, I've seen, I was sort of there. I was so still hungover from the night before. I barely. 
it was it was a, that was a long day. <laughs> I was actually at the most recent game at Rupp, the the 2019-20. Okay. Where we lost. So you've been to several then. Yeah, I've been to a few. Been to more basketball than football. I've been to more football. Like I, I, it was so weird. I never got to go to the basketball. And you mentioned the Cousins one was my first one ever that I finally got to go to, and it was just. It sucked it was lost because I've only been to three, and a little was one and two in those because I did forget about the Final Four. And the other one was the 2013 team. The big year. I, I had press credentials for it, so I went to that. God, I, and I was at 24, like I mentioned, I was at 2014-15. I think, I've, I think I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, like two and five for basketball games for UVO. Well, I, Football, I know I've got a winning record. I've, well, I've football, very few I, I went to every wins. football game from the first to 94 up until, I think I missed my first one in 2003. I went like to the first like nine or game. ten of them. It didn't hurt that they were some of the first, you know, four were in Kentucky, and I had my own cut season yeah. tickets, so it was easy to go. But I want to say it was what was was remember, I think it was cracked. There was a twenty-seven-two. Well, that was cracked. That was second year, oh eight. Yeah, that was the first one I missed. Now, and and actually, the weird thing is, I had tickets, and I just didn't feel like going in. We did a pregame show like right outside across the street. So hot, I was just it was exhausted hot because we had to set the stage up and set tear it down. Me. Being, you know, a very handy guy anyway. And I just remember being so exhausted. My buddy was just like, you want to go in the game? I'm like, I'll just, let's just watch on this big screen TV right here. It's a bad game. And I'm kind of glad in hindsight I didn't go in because of it being that way. But the basketball, I'll just never forget. The first one I went to, and I had, my uncle got me tickets. I was so excited. And I wore my uh, shirt on the front. says, the only thing I hate more Kentucky basketball. On the back says, are Kentucky fans. And uh, I just never forget this woman sitting behind. I'm pumped. I'm so hyped for this game. And I'm just, I'm standing up cheering. I'm Yelling at cousins, and I had uh, my seats were on the kind of the floor behind the ends uh, behind the goal line, and this floor, this woman just behind me just kept, "Are you ever gonna sit down? No. I'm trying. I'm tired of staring at your butt." You gotta hate those. Kids. And I just turned. I was like, "Enjoy the view, sweetheart." <laughs> and I just get. Yeah, <laughs> I think her man wanted to say something to me. But he was half my size. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he didn't know I'm a lover, not a fighter. So. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, our last break of the show, we will come back. We'll take some texts at 502-414-1450. Before we do break, though, reminding you about our guys over at First Bankers Trust. At First Bankers Trust, they work with each client individually to help you meet your financial goals. They offer a wide range of services, including investment management, trust and estate services, philanthropic services, and financial planning. For more information, go to firstbankerstrust.com. Winning rivalry games, getting recruits out of the transfer portal, making money, doubling that money, keeping that money. It all starts with one word, trust, First Bankers Trust, firstbankerstrust.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back here with the final segment of the Mike Weatherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. Now I'm not even going to sing anymore. Now I'm done. Thank God. That's my favorite U2 song. <laughs> Welcome back in. Who was the U2 day today? You didn't even notice. I didn't notice. Well, I, I guess I did. I was singing most of the songs. But <laughs> you a U2 fan? I am a U2 fan. I enjoyed their concert at uh, Cardinal Stadium a few years ago. I heard that was awesome. Yeah. Really well, cool. Probably a couple of friends of mine went to that. 
I guess I wasn't a big fan to go to that just because I knew it was probably pretty expensive to go see as well. We got free free tickets from John Ramsey. Wow. He like bought oh. tickets and the last second was like, hey, we got some extra. Do you want to come? And like we're like, hell yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, I free. I, I would have gone too. Yeah, but I, I mean those cheap seats were going probably triple digits. I'm it assuming. Was a pricey ticket for sure. Yeah, and I just I like you too. I just don't know if I could pay that. Like if someone said that to me, like, hey, I got a ticket. You want to go? I'd be like, yeah, oh, hell yeah. yeah. I'm I, I, just because of the fact I'm Irish, I need to go, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's just like. Remember, remember the old late night CDs and the Irish band Rocks? Yeah. See, would come on. And it was basically you two, Sinead O'Connor, and Van Morrison. Uh-huh. And like Cranberries. Cranberries. That was the, like the only four bands that would just rotate those songs over and over. <laughs> uh, it's the final segment of the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Thursday. We're live at Oxmoor Ford. If you want to stop at the best holiday deals that they've got going, do so before January 3rd. If you want, need more reason, Look, I've always wanted to buy a car that had the big bow on it that you see in the commercials. They yeah. got cars with big bows here in the showroom. You like the commercial where the bow flies off the house and lands on the car? and they it's, got the, it's fun. It, it, made you, it makes you giggle the first time, it right? It giggle. I was unexpected. A new riff on an old theme. But I thought so, too. Can't I, wait to see what you got, Mom. If you want to have a big bow car, there's only one place to go. It's Oxmoor Ford here in the heart of St. Matthews, right off Shelbyville Road, right across from Oxmoor Mall. You got Von Mar still all lit up with the lights, it's a... It's can, can we see Top Golf from here? Showroom. Uh, yeah, if you look just to the right, you can see Top Golf. Okay. I haven't, I haven't even mixed it over. I'm going to go check that out when we leave here. Mary went there a few days ago, uh, a few weeks ago, after one of that million Christmas parties that she had going on. Didn't get to play or anything, just went to check it out. Uh, my parents actually gave me one of their presents. It was like a big gift card top golf, so we nice. wanted to do an outing, get out there. We can do a big X scouting up there. You might even show up for that one. I would absolutely show up for that one. That's how it was. <laughs> Diggy, did you hear that? We finally found a way to get Rutherford to show up to a Big X Make it a Big X. Make it a top golf. Make it a top golf thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a final from the Pinstripe Bowl. Minnesota takes down Syracuse 28-20. to We're now underway on ESPN in the Cheez-It Bowl. Not the Cheez-It Cracker Bowl. The Cheez-It Bowl. Florida State taking on Oklahoma. The Seminoles are 10-point favorites in that one. They just got the ball for the first time. So uh, I would take. I would actually lay that point. I have no. I have no love for Oklahoma and, and uh, what's the, the defensive coordinator from Clemson? I forget his name. FSU now. by two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, Benables. Benables. Yeah. I just. I think. I think that's a horrible hire. Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to be changed. Yeah, I'll be shocked if he's there in two years. We've got uh, about what 20 minutes or so here. A little bit less than 20 minutes. So we'll take some text on the Thornton's text line at 502. Four one four fourteen fifty. If you got thoughts, for us, Texas. if you got thoughts that want you want to get in here before the end of the show, now is the time to let those things fly. Texer says, "I was actively vouching for the Cincinnati AD for Card Chronicle Person of the Year nomination, and when I went to vote for him, my first thought was, who the hell is John Cunningham? <laughs> no one knows his name, but everybody loves him. Bring bomb home guy, by the way. Lead is shrinking a little bit now. He leads." 39% of the vote to 33% of the vote. It's about a 70-vote lead. To clarify, I voted for the volleyball team. They were, they were my pick. I'm voting for, I haven't voted yet, but I'm going to vote for uh, Bring Brum Home. If you want to vote, go to cardchronicle.com. Check out the post there. It's still the, at the top of the page right now. Voting will close tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Oh, that's what we're going to tonight then, huh? Yes. Texas, how do you vote for the CC person of the year? Just told you. Perfect timing on that time. Yeah. Texas, will the Bring Brum Home guy accept his award in person, and will the mystery finally be solved? No, I'm Patrick still looking side out at Patrick. Patrick's going to be here on Wednesday. We'll find out. Maybe if he wins the award, it, he's still, he claims it's not him. He showed us evidence that it's not him. Yeah, but we also he could have a burner phone. He could have a burner phone. We don't know that for sure. Maybe he's working off Jenna's phone. You don't know. But if he maybe winning this award would be enough for him to reveal himself, whoever he is or she is. I keep saying bring my home guy. Could be bring my home girl. That's right. That's, that's, you're, that's a very good point. 
Texture says, how do we fix the division in the fan base? Obviously, we see camps forming when it comes to Kenny Payne, but now I'm seeing Kenny Payne people calling fans out because they're not criticizing Brahms for missing in the portal so far. Honestly, it's so exhausting. Can't we all just be Louisville fans instead of KP fans, Brahm fans, or Jurich fans, etc.? It's not going to end. It's, 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 it's to the end of time, there's going to be the fan bases that have pockets like that. It's just The best thing I can tell you to do is just don't let it bother you, buddy. I, I mean... The weird thing is, even during Patino, like I said, there were times that when Tino's gone to a Final Four, where we're heading in the lead eight, and people were like, "You hasn't done enough. Well, why are we still here? With, why are we dealing with Patino? He's been, he just sucks." I don't get the division in the sense that like we all want the same things. I do think this all comes from the same place. I think the root of all these extreme opinions and why the fans are at each other's throats is there's been so much hurt from the last seven years following this basketball program. Help. Like, none of us thought that we were going to go through this. And I think we're all so desperate to get back to this being a fun thing that is a welcome distraction in the winter that we've most of us have grown up following and worshiping and all that stuff. And it just has not felt the same way in the last four or five years. So I, I think that's where it lies. I think also, I, I mean, there's a sense that people just want to be right. Like, I said, I, I said from the jump, like, this whole summer, like, I want to be wrong about having reservations when it comes to Kenny Payne. I, I don't care about being right or tooting horns or anything like that. Like, if, if I mean, if Jeff Brom is the worst coach in the world, I think you and I both think he's going to have success. If he's the worst coach in the world, I'm not going to sit here and just defend him to the death and be no. like, he's, he's great. Like, well, we will, to use the phrase again, call a spade a spade if it goes poorly. I think that some people are refusing to do that with Kenny Payne. And the biggest issue with the, the Kenny Payne, the people who are, are still in his camp, and I'll say this again, everybody wants Kenny Payne to be successful. Nobody is rooting against Kenny Payne. Maybe some people are, but they're not real fans anyway. The ones who want to be right because they thought he was a bad hire probably. Would, I, could see. I mean, I did not think he was. I was against the hire. I do not care about being right. I, I want Kenny Payne to be successful. I want, yeah. I want him to win a national title next year. I want him to win a national title this year. I want, to, I want Louisville to win every game it plays regardless of who's coaching this team. But I think that you've got some people out there who are so convinced that KP was the right thing to do and plan themselves so firmly in that territory that they're just kind of refusing to talk about what's happening right now. And you can be, you can still be of the belief that KP was the right hire and that this is going to be a total outlier season. Things are going to get good starting next year. The issue with that is you don't have anything to point to right now as clear evidence for what that's, why that's going to happen outside of just trust the man. He knows what he's doing, which is what we heard during One the game summer. against Western. <laughs> we heard trust KP during the summer when recruiting was going poorly. We heard trust KP during the fall when the roster was not looking good and reports out of practice were not great. And now we're hearing it in the middle of the season when we're off to a historically bad start. And at some point, you can see why the fan base is like, okay, like, give me some reason to trust this man. We don't have any recruits coming in that are the caliber that we thought they were going to be. No, like immediate game changer future lottery picks i think curtis williams and caleb glenn could both be fine college players so can tj robinson who's committed from 2024 but they're not again five star one and done top 10 draft picks they're, they're not those types of players and the only hope that we have of being significantly better next season is through the transfer portal where we just completely swung and missed this past summer so it's tough right now to, to sell this guy and i think that's why you're you're just seeing the arguing the bickering because Every piece of evidence that we have right now points to this may have been a mistake and it's going horribly. And if you want to believe otherwise, and we all we all do, you just there's no nowhere to pivot right now. You you got to give us something to cling to for hope. Hey KP, 
Just be Kentucky. Just be Kentucky. That'd Don't make it weird. A perfect start. Don't make it weird, KP. A perfect start to building that, that evidence. We could use Exhibit A. Like, like, just give us one. Let's start with that, and then we'll move on from You beat there. Western Kentucky, now you just beat Kentucky. Yeah, we don't have to worry about being the winning the city. We just want to win the state. Yeah, exactly. can, can keep Louisville. We want the rest of the state. Well, Bellarmine was a work. That was part of the deal of, of the, the uh, of letting us use uh, Freedom Hall during the, that stuff. As we <laughs> That's were. right. That was part of the deal. Is we, we had to lose the game. We sacrificed so much for volleyball. Yeah, you have no idea what we've done for you, Danny. <laughs> Texas says which random UK player goes off on Saturday. That hasn't happened in the last couple of years. But if I have to say. It's always going to be the one that they hate the most, so Jacob Toppin. Toppin, that's exactly, you read my mind, yeah. I love how Toppin has become so hateful. Like, you know how much I had to like my last like time on KRC, I haven't listened out. Toppin's going to be this. He looks so good. I'm like, the guy is an average player at best, people. The problem for him <laughs> is he stands out so much because every team now is just without hesitation doubling Oscar Shibway. And when you do that, you've got to leave somebody wide open. And every team is like, well, we're leaving Jacob Toppin wide open, and he's not taking advantage of that space at all. So it's he sticks out like a sore thumb when oh, that yeah. happens. And Oscar Shibway, you know, I know he was injured and stuff, but he's he's also not the type of player that's going to be dominant through double teams. Like, he's not a – like, he's – He's a force of nature. But Toppin's brother was awesome. He was. I guess what? So was Taylor Griffins. <laughs> I don't see anybody clamoring to get him on the roster. I mean, I get why UK fans tried to buy in. Like, because Obi Toppin goes to Dayton, he red shirts, and then he grows a ton and becomes the player of the year. Jacob Toppin, I think, red shirted. He grew like five inches when he got to college, but they were still expecting more. And like, he's just kind of no. the same player. Yeah, pretty much. Texas has new Trevor quote. Uh, his quote was, "It all counts in love and war." <laughs> Is that right? I think it's all fair in love and war. It's the same thing, though, isn't it? The, the message is the same. The, it all counts. It's all fair, and it's the same thing. The message is right. The wording was wrong. Again, it's not like uh, what, what were the other. Why ones? has it got to be wrong? Can you be right? What was the other one today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's another one that's like the saying was wrong. The jury, uh, the jury's, the jury's out. The, ju- the jury is uh, the, the jury's not out yet, or something. Whatever it was. I said the jury's out. And the jury's still out. No, that is the saying. Oh, what did I say? The I, jury, think I think you're saying the jury's, jury's not, jury's not, jury's in not yet. out yet. Yeah. Technically, kind of correct, but it's just not the actual statement. It counts. It kind of counts. It's not the worst you've ever said, but it goes on the calendar still. I mean, at least it was proper English. Texas says, so what does a buyout on a lifetime contract look like? I'm assuming this is a Calipari tweet or text. I, I know there's an actual number. They called it a lifetime contract. But yeah, it's it a number. We, I think we looked it it's up hefty. at one point, yeah. It's hefty for sure. It's hefty, hefty, hefty. Somebody asked me this question the other day, and you don't. I don't think you dislike Dabo as much as I do, but they were like, if you could end one of these coaches' <laughs> careers with one, with one loss, would it be Dabo or Cal? And I had to think about it. But I said it's got to be Cal Perry. Yeah, it would be Cal. I, I don't hate Dabble as much as you. I I, I want to be Clemson as a, a university more than I want to be just Dabble as a coach. Texture says, please keep Cal because misery loves company. If we have to be depressed, so do they. Yeah, but these are different levels of depression. No, I want them to fire him, and then they hire him to make the wrong hire because do you really trust Miss Barnhart to make the proper hire? You had to beg him to hire Cal in the first place. Texas, which fictional character would you eat and why? Care Bears seem fluffy. I was going to say Spongebob. <laughs> I don't know why. why would you eat a sponge? Why would you eat like an actual animal? I like seafood. 
Rudolph. <laughs> Patrick. It's much better. <laughs> it tastes like chicken. <laughs> Texas, following the bowl sponsorship tradition, the show will now be called the Bad Boy Mike Rutherford Show. <laughs> Bad Boy Mowers, Gasper Bowl. Texas is George Santos, the worst person of 2022. What he did was one step above Rachel Dolezal uh, and one step below Jesse Smollett. Hey, he's not a great guy. Who, who's that? The politician who's, if you haven't seen the story, uh-huh. I'll let you look it up. I know that Jesse Smollett, that's the guy that made the false claims. Correct, Mighty Duck. Yeah, Mighty Duck. He's also, what he's the guy, he's also the pitcher in, uh, in Sandlot. Yes. Yeah. And Rachel Dolezal was the, the woman who claimed, she's like the head of like these African-American groups, like Fights for Justice, who was actually white. <laughs> so what did the politician do this time? We don't. I don't need. We don't need to get into. What's it. his name? Uh, the um, George uh, Santos. Santos. I've heard the name before. Should I just, I just Google it? It won't take you long to find. <laughs> it won't take you. Long. How am I not seeing it? It's so bad. I don't know. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's... Texas uh, the over under on how much weight Curry gained on the week off. Come on, guys. <laughs> Twelve pounds. <laughs> uh, apparently, he was not the one in Sandlot either. Was that what? He was not the one in Sandlot. Oh, it was, it was the other person. Uh, I thought that was him. No. What else was that dude in? I don't know. Are you looking at his Google page? No, I'm oh. looking at the text line. Texas, the people in KP's camp is getting slimmer. It's a very loud minority, I think, at this point. I think that's probably fair. I mean, it's just... I swear that was him. I think you can still be in Kenny Payne's camp and at the same time say, like, this is not okay. Like, like I think it's going to be okay next year, but there's no excuse for us being this bad, which I think some people are. And again, like we're all hoping that Kenny Payne is the guy. Like, there, there's nothing better for little oh, basketball yeah. than for one of your own to come in and like take the program to the heights that you expect it to be. It'd be the, it's the best case scenario. But right now, not only are we not like my biggest problem with what's happening right now. It's not even just us being this bad. It's that it's hard to envision the best of Kenny Payne being the elite of the elite, which is what we expect at Louisville. Like, like when things get good, when you're operating all systems firing under Kenny Payne, if it's this bad at the lowest, it's, it's, it's rare to see a coach have this type of season at a major conference program and wind up becoming one of the best coaches in the sport. When you talk about coaches struggling early on in their tenure, it's like they had a 14-14 and 14 season, or they lost in the first round of the NCAA you know, tournament. first year, Kentucky is 14-14. And, 14 and, 14 and, and they had a, a much tougher... They won the SEC the second year, and even though they weren't eligible to do it. It's, it's rare to see just like... I mean, again, we're talking about one of the worst teams in the history of the ACC if things stay on this path. Can that same person... <laughs> Become like a national championship coach. I mean, Scott Drew, what was it? What did we look up? He won six games, I think, his first year. He was better than us without the ability to give scholarships or play yeah. <laughs> any games on TV or any conference opponents. Circumstances are put to the side, obviously, but he still won six games or eight games, I think it was. Yeah. He, he, we looked, he looked it up. Looked it, up. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was better than. It, was, it, was, it wasn't double digits, but it was like six or eight games, which is still shocking because, yeah, literally everyone left that team. Uh,. Texter says Trevor's phrases are exactly like Ricky Isms from Trailer Park Boys. I've never seen. Never saw Trailer. I know. I know of it, but I've never watched it. Texter says. I uh, swear that kid's a kid, same kid from. What are your <laughs> thoughts on Lola Bunny from the original Space Jam? Attractive. Uh, what meter? Do you know I've never eaten? Uh, I've never watched Space Jam. Really? I, I I have seen it, but it's like I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it from start to finish. I mean, you got our Space Jam came out like what 97, 98. Like I was 18 years old. Like. I, it just, I had no desire. Plus, at that point, I really hated Michael Jordan. 
<laughs> I mean, he's a Pacer. I mean, I'm a Pacer fan. What do you expect? I mean, obviously, I hate Michael Jordan, right? In the, in the early in the '90s, so uh, I had no desire to really watch it. Um, Texas, Mike, what are you throwing on the Twitter files? I'd almost guarantee you didn't read them. I did. It's a whole bunch of like stuff that like we knew was happening anyway. Like, we need Twitter sorry, files. the Biden administration asked Twitter to take down a bunch of tweets of his son like naked. There's like it's just it's being made out was to he really naked way more than it was yeah apparently hmm. Texter says um, he was another person saying he's not in Sandlot and what was what is he from or what was Jesse Smoke? the Jesse Smoke kid was in two things he was he, in Mighty Ducks yeah he was in Mighty Ducks because he was he was in the sequel wasn't he or was he the one that cut out of the sequel I think he was the one that was not in the sequel I just remember was in the sequel was in the, was in Sandlot okay Okay, so is that what it was? was? Was his brother from Mighty Ducks was the one that was in San Luis? Yes. He was in, really, I mean, nothing that I saw after Mighty Ducks. So so the San Luis pitcher was Jesse Smoltz's brother in Mighty Ducks? Correct. Tommy okay. Hall. Timmy, Tommy Hall. He was Terry Hall. The other one was... Okay, so that's why I got confused. Yeah. He was in Mighty Ducks, though. Okay, I, I knew. I was like, I knew it had to be... I just remember the dad walking. I didn't perk my overtime to pay for this. <laughs> he was on an episode of Coach. What's he? <laughs> I miss Coach. Coach is an underrated show. I was watching Turner and Hooch last night. I mentioned. You did. Great T. Nelson plays the crooked cop. Sorry for the spoiler. Uh, but like, I miss Coach. Coach was an underrated show. Coach was great. I mean, I granted it. Really it, it, it really jumped. Yeah, when he with Orlando Breakers. Yeah. It was bad. That was bad. But I miss Dauber and and and. And Jerry, uh, was it what was Jerry Van Dyke's name? Character's name, I forget now. Oh gosh, I forget too. He was both were great characters. Yeah, both were great characters. All right, we've got. To, do we want to predict? We've got we have the Cheez It Bowl going on right now. Cheez It. Uh, Oklahoma off to a seven to three lead. That's amazing. Um, tonight at ESPN nine o'clock, Texas versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Texas is a three point favorite. This is the first like I think top twenty matchup we've had in any bowl game. Who you got there, TK? Is Penix is playing right? I assume yes, yes. Uh, I really like Washington's coach, uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, DeBoer. Like, that dude's kind of... I don't really know anything about him. He, I know he went from Division II, back-to-back great years at Fresno, and then went 10 games this year at Washington. So he's kind of on an up-and-coming guy. Um, they, love the, they love to pass the ball. I'm going to, I'm gonna go Washington, I think, with the win. I'm going to go Texas. They've been good to me in our pick this year. I'm, uh, I'll say that they win in what will essentially be a home game for them, playing in the state of Texas. There's some excitement there. True. Um, We'll go with that. I just don't. I, I, I'm going to go with my coaching. I, I trust him as a coach. What I know about him in a sport time than I do about uh, Sark, who I just don't like. I don't. I'm not a big fan either. I'm neither. All right. Again, reminder: we're hey, here. Hey, Washington. Big thanks to Oxmoor Ford for helping us out and, and hosting us today. If you want the best holiday deals on cars, it's going on this weekend through January 3rd. Stop by. Deal so good you'll slap Trevor. Take advantage <laughs> of the best deal that they've got going on all year long. Tomorrow we've got game day eve. We'll get you ready for Louisville versus Kentucky and talk all the other nonsense happening in the world of Cardinal Athletics. Everyone have a fantastic night. Cardinal Insider with Joey Demling is up next. We'll see you guys. Uh, Western Kentucky is. Western Kentucky basketball is up next. We'll see. Minutes. We'll see you guys tomorrow <laughs> at three o'clock. Let me do an outro, Trevor.